Well, you know, it's the holiday season, and this is episode 69, so I need you to cheer me up after what I watched from the Seahawks against the Rams, after I watched uh, what I saw from the Huskies against Gonzaga, after I saw what happened in the Rams 49ers game, Mm -hmm. and it goes on and on and on. Utah, I was rooting for Utah on Friday night to win the Pac-12 and get into the Final Four of college football. Nothing that I, I, I was cheering. I know a lot of people wanted the 49ers to win. I'm not sure... That I agree with that. We went through that yeah, in episode 68. Sure How do you feel about that That little explanation now? I became a de facto expert, by the way, just ripping you, you off did. with all my friends. Oh, yeah. good, good. Yo, I was spreading you're, you're the like word. A, you're like a party favor? You're like you're like the man now? <laughs> yeah, I'm like You're a, the life of the party? Yeah, well, totally. Oh, yeah, really? I, went, I went to a party so last tell night, me, give me, way, So tell me, so what happens? People come up to you and say, who should we root for between the 49ers and Rams? I say, well, it really depends on your, your personality. <laughs> It really depends on, you know, who you are and what you're looking for. Do you want the number one overall, or are you okay with the number uh, two? As it turns out now, now that you look back upon the weekend, uh-huh. now that you know that the Seahawks have lost to the Rams on Sunday night football, who would it have been better off winning the Rams, <laughs> the uh, the 49ers Saints game? I was getting a little greedy there with this number one overall talk. Yeah, yep. eh, maybe focus a little more on the NFC West. Yeah, so we'll have we'll have a little kind of impromptu edition of Mr. Playoffs will be in our second segment. It won't be the full-fledged Mr. Postseason because we don't do the full-fledged. You got to give me some That's time. Right. Yeah, yeah. You got to let the Monday night game happen. You got to give me some, you got Mr. Postseason some time to be able to digest it all, get to the Excel sheet and start calculating Ooh. percentages. We'll do all that, but we'll do, we'll do an impromptu Mr. Postseason in our second. Our first segment will be you and me on the Rams and Seahawks and Gonzaga and Washington, whatever you want to talk about. The 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 Las Vegas Bowl. Interesting, right? Chris Peterson's yeah. gonna face Boise State in his last game ever for the for the Washington Huskies. We could talk about a number of things in the first segment, and then in the second segment we'll graduate to the impromptu Mr. Postseason. I had like the greatest night set up. My wife and daughter went to the Nutcracker. Oh, brilliant! Right? Oh, I had the whole house. I got Gonzaga. And what's easier? Who was stressed out more? Totally. I should have gone. Your wife and daughter at the Nutcracker or us watching that Fakakta Sunday night (laughs) game. The Husky game at four. The Seahawks. I was like, I I went and got barbecue. I did the routine. I'm eating like a pig. (laughs) So no one's around to judge me. It was awesome. And then I was just like, why? Why? I should have been with the Sugar Plum Fairies. That should have been my my night. Are you down on the Seahawks as a result of that that game? (sighs) They, did, Are you worried now? Did they show some flaws that now moving forward? I mean, how do you view? Because I, I have, I do have a view on that. Having watched this and calculated this thing and been Mister Playoffs for so many years and now been Mister Postseason, I, I do have a, I do have a thought on that. Well, I was going to ask you. Do you, a lot of people like to say, well, they got the loss out of their system before the playoffs. Is it, do, do you look at that? Do you look at this game as that? Well, I'm. Let me say this: If you said over here on this extreme is, I'm worried with what I saw from the Seahawks moving forward. What does it all mean? If that's this, okay. and over here on my left side is they got the they got the the loss out of their system and they needed to do that. If you ask me where I am on that scale, yeah. Am I, have I lost you yet? No, no. You, I'm you, much closer to getting the loss out of the system oh. than worrying. I, this is the NFL. We talked about this on 68P. And by the way, 69P will be this week. This is episode 69. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, MitchUnfiltered.com. 
If you're an Android device user like me for the time being, not quite yet turned over, but I have a new phone. I just haven't done it yet. Well, I happened to see a little white box when I walked in. I went, ooh. Podcast addict, we want you to absolutely listen. And if you can't listen to all the episodes of Mitch Unfiltered, but you like Mitch Unfiltered, you like the podcast and you want it to stay around for years and years and years, we need you to do us a favor. I've said this before on on other shows. We need you to merely click play. On yeah. 69, 68, 67, 66, 65. All you got to do is click play. You don't even have to sit and listen to our nonsense. <laughs> That's the best part about Just it, Just right? click yeah. play. Just if play. you like yeah. Mitch Unfiltered, you want us to hang around for a while, go through it on your podcast app, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and just make sure you click play on all the podcasts because we get credit every time you click play, and that's a good thing. So where was I? What, what were we talking about? We were talking about getting the loss out of your system. Oh, what yeah. we talked about on 68P for the people who didn't, I'm a, I'm a huge believer after all of these years that at this stage of the season, this like week 12, 13, 14, okay. when you have two, let's say, good or better teams, this, this doesn't apply to when you got a crap sandwich team playing against the game, right. what I'm about to say. But when you have two good teams, the Rams are a good That's team. Right. The Seahawks are a good team. Mm-hmm. So often, the team that's more desperate in this stage of the season wins the game. Uh, you can go back over history, and if you could somehow do the research, you would come to that same conclusion. Yeah. It's not always the best team, and maybe the best team won on Sunday night. Maybe the Rams are better than the Seahawks, despite the the records. I don't know. What I do know for sure was the Rams had to have it. They were they were the defending NFC champs. They were at home. They were losing track. The Vikings had won. If they had lost that game, they had to have it at home on Sunday night on national. And the Seahawks wall, it would have been nice to have it. Didn't have to, you know, it was not a desperate game. Yeah, for the right. one seed and that stuff. But the Rams were playing for their playoff lives on Sunday night. And when that happens in week 12s and week 13s and week 14s, I'm telling you, the desperate team more times than not wins. That's why when we talked and you got mad at me, I told you that I'm picking the Rams. I was picking the Rams based on that and only that, that they were going to have to have it and the Seahawks weren't. And the Seahawks are on a long winning streak this is this the way the NFL goes. And I don't I don't feel now maybe I'm going to be eating my words one week on, on episode 70 when you and I are talking about a loss to the Carolina Panthers at 10 a.m. next week. Yeah. I hope we're not talking about that. I don't think we're going to be talking about that. But I don't think that I take anything that I saw in the game on Sunday night and the loss to the Rams and say, oh, my God, this isn't the team that we thought. Let's just see. Now, if it happens again against Carolina – where they can't get home and they get no pass pressure and they don't and they're flat as it they were flat on flat, Sunday. Night. Yeah, Dro- totally flat. How often on do you see night. them drop passes? This team's pretty good. At, I mean, it, well, they drop a couple every year. Right in the hands though, the Hollister <laughs> one, and then the, the oh, one that happened. Boy, be- Hollister. Yeah, you didn't yeah. even want to show up for work tonight. No, I sure didn't. Yeah, he let me down. You Hollister. know, Penny gets hurt on yeah. the first drive. Yeah. No Kendricks, no Ziggy. No, no. Yeah. It, just, it, just, it just felt kind of weird. Yeah, and yeah. they and then on the other side, those guys are playing. You know they're they're fired up. This is it. This is our, our see, This is their playoff game. They that's had right. to win it to to kind of move on. And so that's what happened. So I look. Am I disappointed in their their performance? Yeah. Does it bother me now that they've lost maybe the opportunity to be the number one seed and they've lost the opportunity probably to clinch anything before? I was, I was all sold. Yeah. I was all wrapped up we in the were. whole idea of clinching something 
before the 49ers game. I mean, kiss that goodbye, right? Well, we'll get to that in the second segment oh, with Mr. Ooh. Postseason. I mean, that's the, that's that's the impro- That's what I got. That's what Mr. Postseason has. Did we you think about that. when when Quandre Diggs got that pick six, you think, oh boy, here we go. We've seen this before. They're going to come back. They're going to start playing because I did. Until the guy missed the extra point, yeah. Was that the same right after? Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah. He missed the extra point. I, mean, I was like, you know what? Talk about a buzz that, kill, that's just, right? That's just, that's just it was perfect. typical. Yeah, it was, it was, it was exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah I, there were, I, look, I, I, I've always felt like the Seahawks are a second-half team. We've known for a long time that they don't win easy, mm-hmm. but they don't lose easy either. And so I sat there the whole second half waiting for it to become exciting and suspenseful. And I guess when he was racing down the field with that pick six, I thought, mm, yeah, maybe. That's what I thought. But their offense never could get on track. Nope. They never really could get anything going. And defensively, for the most part, they couldn't get off the field on third downs. And here you have it. I'm not blaming the game on this, obviously. But do you think having – well, we've talked about it. Having Penny out kind of hurts Carson a little bit too because defenses – I don't think Get so. caught off guard with that one-two punch. and I thought Carson played a good game. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, he did. I, I think – no, I think they would have lost the game with Penny. Penny Carson, okay. it didn't really matter. I think that they were, they were in a in a spot that was uncomfortable because the other team had to have it, yeah. and they didn't. New Heisel on uh, episode sixty nine. Jason Hamilton's return. Oh, I've heard of him. Jay Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to sit in that chair. Yes, he did. Is it still comfortable that chair? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. He really broke it in. Now for that me. he's out, uh, Jason Hamilton is in on episode sixty nine because this the Washington Huskies faced Gonzaga. We'll get a perspective from him. Jeff Goodman. Our college basketball guy, longtime ESPN college basketball oh, like hoops guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's going to do it each, uh, every couple of weeks during the college Great. basketball season. Then when we get to the, the real important March, when March Madness rolls around, he'll be on every week oh, on great. Mitch Unfiltered. He's agreed to be a part of it, so yeah. Sorry, did he pick the Huskies to go to the Final Four? He did. Is that the one? He did. Uh, he was the one that was touting Isaiah uh, Stewart. Stewart. Stewart, I mean, yeah. I hadn't really seen much of him, just like some high school high- he was going off, if you remember. He's like, wait till you see this guy. Wait till you see him. And he's and right. I, he's very good. He was right. I, he doesn't touch the ball enough. I know that Jason Hamilton and I will talk about that. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Mitch Unfiltered. If, you, if you're not satisfied with one show per week, you can get a second long-form show. We do it all over again. We release those typically on Thursday, plus there's fantasy shows, plus there's NFL handicapper mm-hmm. shows. We do a lot of different stuff on the patron side. If you'd like to become a patron at $5 a month, all you got to do is go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click the little link that says become a patron. And personalized messages from you once in a while to the patrons, which oh, is cool. Oh, all the time. Yeah, all the time. All the time. And, and they, you guys can you know, send me stuff yep. and let me know about the shows. We'll have a 69P with a full-fledged Mr. Postseason and a tail of the tape on the Carolina Panthers game and guests and all. It's a, it's a full, like, typically an hour and a half, two-hour show. A second show per week for the people that say, hey, you don't do enough shows. One show a week's not enough. Yep. So Somebody texted or hit me up on, on Twitter and said, tail of the tape is Oh, crap. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What do you want from me? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, did the Seahawks me- win the patel? The, t- the Seahawks did yeah, win the yeah, yeah. this he, past week. Yeah, yeah. he sent me, uh, he messaged me. He was very, he, <laughs> he says, uh, oh, the, the tail of the tape sucks. That's exactly what he said. But he did say, keep doing the tail of the tape, and I'll put my money on the losing team every time. <laughs> because of two weeks? I know. As I opposed know. to 10 years of it? Where's the guy been? <laughs> it's everyone's fault. It's Episode your fault. 69 with three guests. And then after the three guests, you and I will do the, uh, the other stuff segment which oh, is always fun i got a good one for episode 69 and i've got an athlete of the week oh great does the athlete of the week have to be a player can it be a coach can sure. the athlete of the week it's kind of yeah. like sportsman of the week right 
Well, yeah, but I was watching the greatest top 100 of the NFL all time, and they have coaches on there, so and punters, not really athletes, you know. So yeah, I could be a coach. Uh, it can sure. I think so. so I have yeah. an I have an athlete of the week for episode sixty nine. You're gonna love my athlete of the week. I can't wait. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, let's get deep into the Rams-Seahawks game. But first, a few words about my partners on Mitch Unfiltered. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest with offices along the West Coast and the originator, as I've told you before, of evervestment.com, E-V-E-R-V-E-S-T-M-E-N-T.com. That's a new program catering to those of us that don't have the wealth that many of Evergreen's clients have but still want to grow our money, right? So just check them out, evervestment.com. Zeke's Pizza with now a 17th location in Woodenville on 135th Avenue Northeast. The boys and I were there just the other night. What a spectacular location. I had no idea what I was in for. Maybe the biggest of all Zeke's Pizza, whether it's home with Zeke's door-to-door delivery or one of their locations, sports pizza, craft beer, a great combination with a true blue Northwest company, Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. You know by now about the latest edition of the Daniel's family of world-class steakhouses downtown in the new Hyatt Regency where we were the other night for the Vikings Seahawks game right near the Paramount Theater. Perfect for dinner before the show. The king of special occasions I call Daniel's. They do it right. Whether it's an anniversary or a special birthday or a graduation that's coming up or maybe even just the holiday season. Daniel's Broiler for special occasions. World-class steakhouses and the kirkland office of guild mortgage this holiday season you want to save some money for some gifts and other things you got to check them out the kirkland office of guild mortgage jordan flowers and his team can take you through the refi process very very easily and within 10 minutes of a phone call can tell you how much money each month you could be saving on your mortgage so give them a call 425-250-3150 the kirkland office of guild mortgage here we go episode number 69 it starts right now unfiltered he never convinced me that he was enjoying myself it was to me it's been painfully obvious from the moment with all the success and the college football playoff and the rose bowl and the fiesta bowl it's been to me painfully clear that this guy part a lot of his job he feels like it's pulling teeth and that he doesn't he doesn't love it so when i heard on monday that he resigned was i expecting him to resign no of course not i was like oh boy but does it shock me? Does it surprise me that after six years he would be burned out on Seattle, burned out on the University of Washington, and won out? Not at all. Unfiltered. The morning after the Niners game, the world wondered, okay, is that the real Seahawks defense, the one we saw against the Niners, or is it the first eight or nine games where they were just terrible and didn't have a clue against any kind of efficient pa- uh, passing games? Well, now we've seen at least average or better than average three straight weeks, clearly better than average defensively, and that leaves me very excited because I think if that's the defense, which I think it is, I give them a great chance to go all the way. Uh, go all I think I give him a great chance to go all the way to the Super Bowl Mitch is unfiltered all right now the official beginning of episode 69 as bad as the results were for the (laughs) University of Washington and for the Seattle Seahawks that's how bad the naming rights are for this show so it's apropos 
I guess. Do you remember Floyd Wetterburn? Does that mean anything? <laughs> Number 69, a guard for the Seahawks like 15 or 12 mm. years ago. A big guard who wore number 69. Nah, Sounds nothing. familiar, sort of, but no. Jared I, Allen, the old pass rusher for like the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings. Does he do anything for Do you have any recollection of him? Nothing? Nothing really, yeah. Oh, my God. Jared Allen, no. How about Tim Crumry? Does that mean it? Does that name anything Cincinnati to Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. Is he the one that broke his leg in the Super Bowl against the 49ers? Horrifically broke his leg. Snapped his leg in two against the 49ers. Was you do like remember a, that. Was he like a nose guard? Or like, yes, he was. Very, yeah, see? I, very, very, very I've good. watched sports in my life, I'm believe it or not. I'm actually very, very impressed. That was so, actually a good bad. Super Bowl, this right? This is an episode that we probably should just throw because no one wants to hear anything about the season. Seahawks. Nobody wants to hear anything about yeah. the University of Washington. How how alarmed are you with what happened with the the Seahawks on Sunday night? Just <sighs> really kind of closed. The game was really it was one of the worst games I think I've seen the Seahawks. Least interesting games, least exciting, least fun games that I think I've watched the Seahawks play in forever. I'm sure there there are other examples each year, but you know they don't get blown out very often, and they don't blow anybody out very often. They typically play an exciting game, especially in prime time. Yep. And Always it was just it. a dud, even though they went down and scored the first the first possession. It was a dud, wasn't it? A dud. It was. It just felt that way the whole game. I mean, they're like fighting at the end. I'm like you're down by 16. Just pull the starters and let's let everyone go home healthy, would you please? Right. So on on the way over, I was trying to think like. Is, is this panic mode? Because some people, but I always see people go, well, hey, they, they got this out of their system. So now they're not going to lose again until the playoffs. So it's yeah. good. Well, we'll get to Mr. Postseason, the impromptu Mr. Postseason, the episode 69, Mr. which is not the official Mr. Postseason. That'll be 69P when Mr. Postseason has his tacos, That's which, right. by the way, Mr. Postseason is oh, going to yeah. pay for his tacos this week. I have to announce that. There's no free tacos this week because the Seahawks not only didn't rush one in, they didn't score offensively. Nah. You know, they didn't score an offensive touchdown the whole night. Sure did not. So you have to pay for your... Then that's not going to dissuade Mr. I still going to do... Mr. Postseason is still going to do his work with the Excel sheet and the computer over tacos. Tuesdays during football season, Mr. Postseason always does tacos at uh, at taco time. Mr. Postseason, powered by taco time. That's right. Kinda, I like it. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but we'll do an impromptu Mr. Postseason. I'll give you the good news and bad news, the snapshot of from what happened on Sunday between the... The Rams beating the Seahawks and the Niners beating the Saints. Everybody was asking for the whole week leading right. up to it. You became a cult figure at parties oh, yeah, because right. you stole my routine. I Did stole you? Your, tell I, us. Tell I, everybody. I, I stole Mr. Postseason's words. I was like a genius. I went to a party, a Christmas party Saturday night. And what did you say to um, people? Hold court. I'm doing the whole should thing. Should they win the Saints? Who should win the Saints or the 49ers? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, it really depends on what kind of personality you have. I mean, <laughs> what are you looking for here? Are you, are you, you know, go for broke kind of guy? Yeah. You know, though I did the whole thing. We'll routine. get into that in our second segment of episode 69. We'll get into okay. the Mr. Po- but it won't be. It won't be an official Mr. Postseason. That'll be reserved for 69P. But I'll give you the the snapshot, the the, the quick take of the good news and bad news. It's mostly bad news well, from the yeah. results on Sunday. Because really the Seahawks, now that you know that the Seahawks lost to the Rams, you really needed the Saints to beat the 49ers, not the 49ers to beat the Saints. Remember, the 49ers to beat the Saints was more of a let's go for broke, let's go for the number one seed because we're going to win them all. Right. But then you lost. <laughs> I was rooting for the wrong team all day. Who knew the Seahawks were going to lose? Do you want to break down the game like we normally do, or should we just say, hey, it sucked. They sucked offensively. The whole Rashad Penny injury. He's tweeting in the middle of the game. What does that mean to you? Not good. When you get a tweet from a player while the game is going on, thank you, Seahawks fans, for all your blessings, and God never makes mistakes. What does that mean to you? Yeah, he's done. Not good. 
out for the year. So it went yeah. from there. They had other guys missing the game. Russell wasn't himself. The defense couldn't get off the field on third downs. They had a couple of bad spots. It just yeah. – did, did you think when, when Diggs made the uh, the interception? Yes, for the, the, the pick the six. Pick six. Yep. Did you think that the Seahawks were storming back to win the game? I sure point? did. I tweeted it out. I said, is it, <laughs> is it possible that this is one of those like magical third quarters? Oh. That, remember the third quarter against the Vikings? Magical. Oh, my God. Seven, 24 unanswered? 17, something like that. I was like, here we go. Well, we were at Daniels, right? Uh, yeah, we were. I was like, here we go. Here's seven. And then we're going to get another. It's, just, it's going to start snowballing, and they're going to come back and do what they do. They did not. They were down 21 to three at the half, and I did a Twitter poll. Did you see my Twitter poll? Do you follow Twitter during the games at all? Not you, but I do, yes. I purposely stay away from what you say because we're going to go talk about it. Really, I do. Really? I, I swear. I don't that's, know if I should be. That's the reason. I think I'm hurt. I want to come in fresh, you know? I, I don't want to see I'm all your hurt. thoughts. You have, you have limited gonna, thoughts, no, so, I'm you know. I'm not going to tell you what I wrote. <laughs> come on. All right, I'll look it up. <laughs> I did a Twitter poll at halftime, 21 to 3, and I asked, very simple question. Are the Seahawks going to get blown out? They're 21 to 3. Are they going to make a game of it in the second half? And I only allowed people like nine minutes or 12 minutes to vote because the halftime During only halftime, last yeah. So I got 750 votes in 12 minutes. Okay. You tell me, since you haven't looked, what do you think the percentages were of Seahawks fans that thought the Seahawks would be in it or get blown out? They're down 21 to three, yeah. and they just, they're the shits the first half. Yeah. It's what t- do you think it was? It, that's really tough for because me. Because they're a second-half team. They always come out and play better yeah. than this. Just when you think it's over at the first half, they always do something. And then they did it in the third quarter with the pick six, yep. and you're like, here they go. Here they go, yeah. Here they go. That's tough because I know how down I was feeling, and I was ready to turn it off because I just like feel like they're going to get blown out. But they are a second-half team. So I, I, it's, I don't know what people said. I, I think most people probably thought they were going to make a comeback in the third quarter. I would say 600 people thought they're going to come back. I'll give you to you in percentages. Split right down the middle. Is that right? 52% said they will make a game of it. 48% said Hmm. of Seahawks fans that they're going to get blown out. It is a tough one because I was feeling pretty down, but I know they're a second-half team. It's tough. I could see it going either way. It's tough. That pick six, so that had me going. I was like, all right, this is what we do. I felt like going to halftime. They're down 21-3, and they have to kick off. Yeah. That's a big part of the psychology for me. Are they getting the ball at the beginning of the third quarter or are they kicking the ball off? And I knew they were kicking the ball off. So now they're down 21-3 to and they haven't been able to stop the Rams. And the Rams are running and, and they have that soft coverage and that defense. Boy, the defense, you asked a question. You just asked a question that I didn't answer. You just said driving over here, you want, say, articulate what you just asked. Well, I was kind of thinking, I was wondering like, There's two okay, different ways of looking at yeah. this, right? Are they... Did they get the loss out of their system, which can be good sometimes? Because it would be tough to win the next four. Am I a believer in getting losses out of your system? Yeah. Or or and- do they suck? Really? <laughs> Are they awful, or was it good that they just had a bad game and got it out of their system? Let's say, where, let's, where do you let, let's define suck. You say... <laughs> is it, is, are, you, are you on the side where they get a loss gets out of their system, or... That the last three weeks have been a fraud, and this is the real. This is the old Seahawks team. Those first seven or eight yeah. weeks, we saw them, and this is the real Seahawks. Team, or we should right? be worried; they're in trouble. And I would say, like everything else, that the answer to that question for me is somewhere in the middle. I'm not at either one extreme, but if you then pushed me and said, "What are you closer to? Which side are you closer?" I'm closer to getting the loss out of the system, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because. And you and I talked about this. I hate to keep referring to 68P for the non-patrons, but we, you know a lot of the patrons are hearing this. They're hearing it again. 
I have been watching this for, and I don't, I'm not some know-it-all about the NFL, but I, I follow this. I do the Mr. Playoffs, Mr. Postseason. I really follow this closely, and I have been for years and years and years. To be fair, you're a know-it-all about everything else, just not the NFL. I know, I'm not a yeah. know-it-all about anything. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> and what I said to you at 68, do you recall when we started 68P, people were actually pissed, at, the patrons were pissed at 68 because I came right out of the gates with, the Rams are going to win this game. Well, I got a bunch of tweets, Levy Jinx. You jinxed them. You said the Rams are going to win. So no, they what... were thinking that the Ram, the Seahawks were going to. You, you don't. You didn't follow that. You didn't catch the joke. The joke went over your head. Did it? Yeah, because I have a, a knack from the old. I used to do a radio show. Oh, okay. I don't think I ever listened. And I have a knack that anytime I interviewed somebody that was going well, they immediately got hurt. Oh, like Levy Jinx. They were saying what they were saying to you. I believe with the Levy Jinx was the Seahawks are going to win because Mitch picked the Rams. It's the reverse. Le- oh, gotcha. That's, okay. that's what I think they were saying. Okay. But, but anyway. What did I say when I first came, when we started 68P? You said the Seahawks are going to lose. They're going to lose. Yeah. And I, was, did I sound pretty confident about that, or yeah. did I sound wishy-washy? No, no, you that? sounded confident. Okay. And most people would say, well, why would you why would you feel that way? Right. This is coming off that Minnesota game, played great. And San Francisco exciting. and Philadelphia, and they're rolling, yeah, yeah, and the Rams yeah. are kind of sputtering, right? You were pretty confident, yeah. Well, there's a reason I was confident. And I'm and look, I'm not suggesting that, I, that I'm right more times than I'm not. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. I'm wrong just as... Yeah. Re- but but here's what I've noticed over the years that might make Seahawks fans feel good or not, and I think that a lot of people that watch the NFL that'll agree with me. When you get to weeks like 11, 12, 13, where we are, late in the season, and you have a matchup of, a t- of two teams that are both at least good football teams, you would be surprised at how often the more desperate team wins the game especially when the more desperate team is at home. And that's what we had on Sunday night. We had a Seahawks team that was rolling, that was not going to win nine or ten in a row, go right to the Super Bowl. We had a Rams team. I mean, I think you can agree. The Rams are the defending NFC champion. They're not not like – they're not crap. They're They're not a crap sandwich, right? And so they're defending NFC champions, and they're – one game or two games behind the wild card, they're pretty much, this is it. And when we talked, when I talked to the guy in Los Angeles for 58P, the guy who covers the Rams, he said, this is it. Yeah. This is their season. This is their, this is their playoff game. This is a must win. If they lose that game, remember, if they lose that game, the Rams, they're two games with three games to play. They're two games behind Minnesota for the last wild card spot. Now, are the Seahawks in a must win situation? Of course not. Now, do they want to win it to win one seeds and all that stuff? NFC West, yeah. But they're going great. You've got a team that's the NFC, they're the defending champs, and they are in the back to the wall at home. They have got to win, and they still have Todd Gurley, and they still have Aaron Donald, and they still have a lot of pride. And Goff they went to the great. Super Bowl, yeah. and Goff wasn't playing great going into the game. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, and this is why I felt the way I did on 68P. The desperate team wins in that situation way more times than not. And so when you ask me which side am I on, I'm not prepared to say this performance, as crappy as it was on offense, they couldn't get out of their way. Defense, they were soft again, and they were terrible on third downs, and they were just this uninspired defense like they were the first seven. I'm not willing to say, up. there's that team again. Yeah. Because I saw three games and three games worth of examples of the Seahawks have turned a corner. So... Where am I on the scale? I'm I'm towards the. It's good to get one out of the system, but more I'm to, uh, uh, more I'm willing just to write this game off, and say the Rams have pride. 
They're the defending NFC champs. They had to have this game to stay in it. They were at home, and it was set up for the Rams to win this game. Now, let's talk on episode 70, and let's see how they look against Carolina. Now, if they stink the joint up in Carolina, and we're talking about a loss in Carolina, another loss, or a terrible performance, then I'm willing to reevaluate. But I believe they'll get themselves together. They'll go out against a Carolina team that just fired their head coach. They'll win that game. They'll come back here. They'll win the game against Arizona, and they will go into that NFC, or they will go into that December 29th game against the 49ers, and they will be 12-3. and 12-3. and three. And then, as you'll hear in our next segment when I do my impromptu Mr. Postseason, that game will, will be for all the marbles in the NFC West. But you That's what I, I think. You and I talked last week, and we were kind of hoping it wouldn't come to that. Because that's right. going to be a bloodbath. Well, again, I, I don't want to steal the, the thunder yeah, of the yeah. next segment. Because the next segment, we'll talk about why we were hoping it wasn't going to come to yeah, that. And It and, hurts. And, it hurts. I was getting greedy. I was looking at number one, number two, you know. I guess one good thing you could take away from this, and I don't know if it'll matter. If the Rams are playing inspired, they're, they're going to have to play this way the rest of the season, right? I mean, they have to win pretty much every game. And they have the 49ers coming. And out. they got the 49ers. I guess that's one good now you're going to tell me no after all that. Oh, what happened no, to this I'm inspired not tell Rams you No, I'm not going to tell you no, but I'm going to tell you that even if the Rams win, the Seahawks are still now because of this loss and because of the Niners win in New yeah. Orleans, I'm going to tell you that, yeah, they could lose to the Rams, but the Seahawks are still going to have to win that game on December 29th. It's not going to really all matter all that much. Mm. Bummer. I, again, I, I don't want to say too much because the next segment will live on its own, but... You know, there were ramifications. There's good news and there's bad news that comes out of Sunday's results of the Saints and the Ra- uh, Saints and the 49ers and Rams and Seahawks. And and now now it almost I mean, there's just I guess there's a mathematical way. I guess if the if the Seahawks win their next two. No. No. Well, uh, yes. I oh. guess if the Seahawks win their next two. Okay. And the 49ers lose their next two. The Seahawks would be one game up with one game to play, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm putting my mind to the test on... 12 and 3. So they would be... The Seahawks would be 12 and 3. The Niners would be 11 and 4. Is that right? They would be 11 and 4. And then if they tie... Then we have to go through the tiebreaker, yeah. and we'd have to get we we'd probably get we you know where we would get back to we would get back to Green Bay and Washington against Minnesota and Philadelphia and Philadelphia we get back to the common opponents or the strength of uh, no the, the strength of victory the strength of victory because because both now will have lost an additional divisional game uh, yeah this is probably too much for you the point but, is they're gonna have to win on December 29th. yeah. Up until this week, there was a chance they were not going to have to win on December 29th to win the division. Yeah. Now, as a result of the results, and you'll hear that in the next segment when Mr. Postseason goes. All right? Any any other thought? The Rashad Penny thing is just a really, really turd in the fishbowl. After all of what he's... <laughs> Punchbowl. what I say? It's fishbowl. Fishbowl. Punchbowl's way worse punch bowl. than a fishbowl. I mean, Sorry. Some guy takes a poor cup Sorry. of punch. He thinks he's getting some isn't delicious it, drink. Isn't it Murphy's Law after the guy pops, and he's playing so yeah. great, and they're getting the... The, the, the benefits out of having the two-headed monster, just, I mean, isn't it just like, God. I wonder if, if Chris Carson's a better running back when he has that other running back in there, Penny, because the defenses get maybe used to Penny I a little bit. I think that's overrated. You think so? Was Chris Carson great last year? 
Yeah. He was awesome last year, yeah. and Penny was nothing last year. Was he great this year besides the fumbles? Was he great this year, early in the year when Penny was nothing? He was great this year. He, he doesn't need Penny to be great, so I wouldn't say that. But, yeah, I don't but know if the, he needs him, but, but does but, it make him better? No, I don't think so. I, I, but I do think it makes them better. Okay. The Seahawks, when he goes out, I mean, he has to go out. Yeah. Lead running backs have to go out. They're a better football team when the other guy who comes in is the, either the, the equivalent or damn near close the, the equivalent. So that's a real... That's a real bummer. So Procise now is the backup. I guess so. Two carries or for Homer. one yard. I like Homer. You like? <laughs> you don't know Homer. What do you know about Homer? He's got one carry for 29 yards. <laughs> he averages 29 yards a carry. Put that in your tail of the tape. <laughs> so now I'm ready to Put give him a that shot. In my tail of the tape. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Just uh... yeah, it's a bummer about Penny. It really is. We're making jokes, but the guy's career, you know, who knows if he'll ever come back. And it was such a. Did you see the play? Yes. It's funny because you see all these knee injuries, and most often when you watch the play over and over again, you got to look away. Yeah. It's typically kind of a you, – you can see where, oh, my God, that went the wrong way. Yep. His foot went one way and his knee went the other way. This, this was like – now, I know that there are such things as non-contact knee injuries. It happens all the time. I've seen quarterback we've, – we've seen quarterbacks be out for the season backing up to pass, planning, and go – I well, get What that. about Will Disley? I don't think anyone nailed him. Right. But this play, the, I, I watched it over and over and over again. I didn't see anything that kind of screamed, oh, boy, that looks very serious. There was yeah. nothing about that play. He didn't go the down he weird was or anything. No. Yeah. Are you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just sort of got tackled. Yeah. And then he's writhing in pain. Yeah. But, I mean, we saw Richard Sherman blow out his Achilles on a tackle. He, it does it happen. It just happens. These it guys are happen. so fast and they're so and strong. his reaction was oh. so demonstrative, wasn't yeah. it? All right, so the Seahawks fall to – it's such a uh. – I know, just brutal. Sometimes they say just burn the film, you know, it's like an old cliche, but it's so true. What are you going to get out of this? But sometimes as a Seahawks fan or as a fan of sports, see, you could have gone – you told me that your wife and your kid went to the Nutcracker. Oh, boy, did I miss out. Boy, did I miss out. You Should thought you had it made at home, didn't you? Oh, I was out uh, – greatest night ever. <laughs> Greatest night ever. I'm, I was doing a little yard work, you know, so I can feel good about it. Really? Like, well, yeah, you know, I like yard to, work. Well, there's leaves everywhere, you know. Yeah. yeah, have somebody come over. All right, Huskies, Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right, I should. I'll come over and do it. Huskies, Gonzaga on at four. Can't wait to see that. Seahawks on at 530. Uh, Families at the Nutcracker. I'm on my way down to the barbecue joint. I'm just getting mounds of food. I'm going to put my eating clothes on. I'm not going to be judged while I eat. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So let me ask you, who, who had a more stressful evening? <laughs> yeah, who do you think had your, a more stressful evening? Your wife and kid at the Nutcracker. This is what I've been trying to tell you for months now. The ballet. Is the Nutcracker a ballet? It is. In fact, they don't talk in it. So yes, it's not a play. There's no speaking. You know what's weird? I just flash back. I, I just, it's so, so strange. I flash back to a skit with Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live when okay. he was when he was on the cast, they went. I think it was Will Ferrell and his wife or somebody. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong about who it was. It was like the theater for the blind. <laughs> I remember that. That sounds kind of like a funny premise, though. It was a theater for the blind. Yeah. And um, they go they go in and they make it sound like the performers are all blind and they're falling all over each other oh, and it's just it's just the most politically incorrect right. thing you've had it's the theater for the blind and they're sitting there and they're outraged i think it was welfare and they're outraged like what the hell and these and, and oh, because all the all the perform- well it turns out the whole joke was they didn't realize it but the performers were not blind it was the people in the audience <laughs> that's really funny 
I wonder if he could even do that sketch now. He probably couldn't even do that now. And they're like, oh, for the love of the Lord. And then they show the, the end of the skit. They show everybody like. Oh, that's really funny. And the people. And then like one of the actors was like, what's your problem? Yeah. And they're like, wait a second. You're not blind. <laughs> they thought that they were blind because they were just so bad. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But they were so bad because the, they didn't have to be good. Right, right. You don't even need to get in costume. You don't need to do anything. That's pretty funny. You know, before we get to Mr. Postseason, I, I have yeah. to ask you a question. Oh, did I ask the Peloton question in the T section? I don't think I did. I don't know. It's a good question. The Peloton question. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, actually. <laughs> Do you know the story of the Peloton the Peloton controversy? I, no, I, I don't know anything I'm about feeling it. Very, I, I'm feeling very insecure. Okay. Do you know what Peloton is? I don't even know that I knew yeah, until like six weeks ago. It's a very fancy exercise bike. Very Why fancy. is it fancy? Because you like, you like... You're with other people or something? Yeah, like live? It's, it's online, and then you can yeah. pick all these different little like destinations. You can be riding through the Amazon right. jungle. It's pretty cool. Right. It's like interactive. Yeah. Well, I'm, ve- I'm I'm feeling very sensitive, not because I don't know what a Peloton is, even though I don't know what a Peloton is. <laughs> right. Now I do. I'm very, I'm I'm feeling very sensitive because I've been reading all week. Have you are you are you aware of the firestorm controversy involving the Peloton commercial? I'm not. The woman who played the the actress who was in it. The, they have this series of like holiday. You know, buy a Peloton for the holidays. Yeah, I've been seeing commercials everywhere. They have a campaign, all kinds of commercials. And have you seen the one, well, the one where the husband gives the wife a gift, a holiday gift of a Peloton, and then she works out to try to get herself in shape. It is like, I saw it like probably 50 times, (laughs) never thought two seconds, not even a millisecond about it, and now I'm picking up the newspapers I can't get away from it. There's a huge controversy. Everybody's under fire. The actress who play, who's in it, the young actress who who plays the, the wife. actress? Yeah. How dare you take a role like this? Really? This is a sexist thing. A husband giving a wife uh, giving a wife a Peloton, an exercise bike. This is the worst oh. thing. And it's, it's just, and I'm like, really? She's just trying you to make a buck. You can't. Leave her alone. It's a gig. It's an acting gig. Well, forget that. Just the whole idea of the commercial. Yeah. I mean, is it really that bad? I guess it is. I never really thought of it as, oh, this is sexist. This is a man giving a woman an exercise bike and telling her to get into shape or something. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel, I kind of wonder if I should feel badly that I didn't notice that this was a bad commercial when I saw it the first <laughs> 55 times. That's my question. Well, we're from a different time. We're from a different time, you and I. I mean, it, it, Really? Yes. I mean, they, so you're saying all that everybody who's like 25 or 30 saw this commercial? And went, oh my god, that's terrible. Yes. Everybody knew except for me. I don't know if everybody. I'm the only but, person in the world well, watching. Well, I clearly didn't makers, even know about it. Apparently, the makers of the commercials didn't know. They wouldn't have made it if they knew, right? So they didn't know. Yeah, they didn't. Are you know. saying that there were no young people that made this? Co- and by the way, the actress who plays the wife, she's like 23. She didn't know. So what are you talking about? That I'm the, you got what? Because we're altacock. Is that what <laughs> yeah, you're saying? That's right. I'm an, Mitch, you're an altacocker, so you don't you don't get it. You don't understand. Well, I'm embarrassed too because I wouldn't have thought twice about it. if I saw that commercial. Do you I'd be know like, the commercial I'm talking about? I, I think I remember it. Yeah, and she's like really. I think SNL might have yeah, did a parody did, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, because of the firestorm of controversy. Yeah. I just uh, people are very sensitive. It's being outraged is a new career now. Who's the person? Who's the first person to like light that that fuse of this? I hate that person. I don't know why. Just <laughs> the, which person? The, the person, person who like was the first one to, to be outraged and, about anything. Well, no, well, or about this about particular this specific, commercial. but for all things that people are, are pretending to be outraged about. But are people really outraged? Are people re- are they really staying up late at night? People are very upset about the fact that the Peloton company oh. did a commercial where a husband gives an exercise bike 
to his wife to get her into shape. If I'm, but, but he, if you got to see the commercial, I mean, it's to me, it's there's nothing objection. Now I'm a man, I guess maybe, yeah. maybe I just don't get it. I, I asked my wife, I asked my wife. She saw, she took no object. She saw no objection to it. Did the woman who received the bike is she excited for the gift? Yes. Okay. And she right. rides it like hell, <laughs> right, and right. then he comes back, and she's like, yeah, and she's she's talking to some guy on the screen of some sort. I mean, she's she's working out with other people. Yeah. I mean, it's just a nice. I don't know. I, I just don't get it. This we've just gone we've gone crazy. Okay, so I should take the treadmill back to the store I bought for my wife. Is that yeah. what? No, no, I'm just <laughs> and don't make a commercial out of it. If I'm Peloton, my next commercial is her like begging the husband for one. Oh There's only one gift I want this year. That would be my next commercial because maybe she asked for it. We don't know the story. The good news and the bad news. It's mostly bad news from this results, the results this weekend in the NFL. Are you tired of hearing me talk about Tyler Hay and Evergreen Golf Call yet? You better not be because where would we be? Where would I be? Where would Mitch Unfiltered be without that premier wealth manager in the Northwest and the title sponsor of both our March Madness Pool and the Major Championship Challenge? Just an awesome partner. Headquartered in Bellevue with offices all over the West Coast, Portland, San Francisco, the Napa Valley. Been growing people's money for decades all over the community with charity involvement like the the Boys and Girls Club. And now the developer of a new online program to help those of us with limited savings get that same level of expertise as their high wealth clients have been enjoying for all these years. And it's called Evervestment. Evervestment powered by Evergreen Golf Call. Now you don't have to be a millionaire to invest like one. You don't have to own an NBA franchise. The same investment guidance as Evergreen's high net worth clients at a much lower fee. So whether you're saving for your first vacation home or the first day of retirement, try them out. Evervestment can get you there. Locate them on the web at evervestment.com. That's E-V-E-R Vestment, V-E-S-T-M-E-N-T dot com. Unfiltered. All right, this is not an official Mr. Postseason. I want to make that clear before we begin. Okay. The official Mr. Postseason is on 69P when Mr. Postseason has a day or two to digest the Monday night game, all of the Sunday night games, go through the percentages. You'll get a true blue, like full-fledged Mr. Postseason on 69P, which will be released on Thursday. We better. But I just fi- figured because the Seahawks played on Sunday night, and now the Seahawks have lost and they've fallen to 10-3, and three, that people are going to be wondering a little bit what it does. And if you've been following along, you pretty much know. Like, I'll ask you, what do you think the loss on Sunday night coupled with the, the 49ers win over the Saints, what do you think it did for the Seattle Seahawks? Well, I think the Seahawks now are the number one wild card. They go to five. They go all the way to five, which you and I have discussed is a almost a death sentence. It's not quite as bad as missing the playoffs altogether. But having to go from the five seed to the Super Bowl, what did we say? Eight percent? Yeah. I did this with you. I did the math for you on 60, 60 AP. It was like eight percent right. from the from the five seed. You have to win three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl from the five seed. They'd go to Dallas, right? At four. They'd go to Dallas and then they'd have to win 
Three games in three weeks. The second game would be against a team that had a bye and the home field. Believe me, the Seahawks, no matter how good of a road team they are, and we saw how good of a road team they were on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that, man? The they are not winning three games in three weeks on the road and going to the Super Bowl. I'm just telling you that right now. A great tweet on Friday from someone who said, the weird thing is this year, we've played much better on the road. Every game at CenturyLink has been weird, including both losses. I almost prefer being on the road in please, the playoffs. Please, I don't want to hear that. You just got done saying, I don't want to hear please, that. And then I saw please, that tweet. Please, Yeah, I know. It's silly. I would say there's good news and there's bad news as a, re- as a result of the of the final scores on Sunday in the NFL and the NFC West. There's good news. Okay, that's interesting. Well, there's... Good news. There's good news and there's bad news. Okay. There's the the bad news is that the Seahawks going into Sunday's play had a reasonable chance to wrap up the NFC West before even playing on December the 29th against the 49ers. And they had a and that probably would have been good enough for the number 2 seed in the NFC. So they had what I would call a, a reasonable opportunity heading into Sunday's action, a reasonable opportunity to get to December 29th before the game started against the 49ers and already have the NFC West one and maybe even already have a number two seed wrapped up going for the number one seed. Maybe didn't even have to play that December the 29th. That would have been huge, too. You could rest guy. I mean, it would have been great to not have to play the 49ers. And the way that oh. would have happened, right, would have been the Saints beating the 49ers the Seahawks beating the Rams, so the opposite results that actually happened. That would have meant that the Seahawks were one game ahead. Right. They'd right? be eleven and two and ten and three. Well, they'd be one game ahead. Yeah. And if they can win the if they win the tiebreaker and they get to one game ahead going into that final game of the season, they could actually clinch the NFC West before playing the game. That pretty much now, as a result of Sunday night, here's your bad news, is out the window. I mean when the 49ers go, when they beat Green Bay badly, and then they barely lose at Baltimore, and then they go into New Orleans and win, they look like a good team, right? Well, they are a good team. I know, but they're I They're a very, very good team. I, after the Seahawks played them, I thought maybe they'd be a little banged up. They're not as good yeah. as we thought. Yeah. They win two out of three and barely lost to the Ravens. They might be the real deal. They are the real deal. They're a very, very good team. But yeah. a lot of this is going to come down to who you play in the postseason and where you play them. What seed are you? So I think what happened as a result of Sunday's game is this virtually guarantees now that for the Seahawks to win the NFC West, they're going to have to win that game on December the 29th at home. Now, a lot of people are going to say, okay, we beat them in their place. Yeah. When the, when the chips are down, baby, and you're here and the place is going crazy on December 29th, we're going to win. That's fine. The other thing that's now in play, and I don't want to say this too loud, I should kind of muffle my sound here okay is the 49ers could clinch it before December Ew, that would be ugly well think about it how many games are each team going to play before that that last game of the season how many more games three no be- before the last game yes dose oh that's right because it's just Carolina they've each played 13 Arizona, games yeah. they've each played 13 games one's 11 and two one's 10 and three the Seahawks are going to play in Carolina and then home against Arizona Right? Yep. And the 49ers are going to play home against the Falcons and home against the Rams. Yeah. The Seahawks are now one game behind the Rams. I mean, the, the 49ers. If the Seahawks fall two games behind the 49ers with one to play, yeah. 
Who would have seen that coming, right? The division's I mean, over. Well, people would have seen that coming. But you, you can now, now, now the Seahawks can't afford to lose unless the 49ers are going to lose with them. Unless the 49ers are going to, if they want to win the division, I highly, highly recommend <laughs> that they win ball games. They win the Carolina game and win the. Yeah. If they win the Carolina game and the Arizona game, now here's the good news. Okay. If they win the Carolina game and the Arizona game, it doesn't matter what the 49ers do in the next two weeks. The Seahawks will play for the NFC West crown on week 17 on December 29th. They guarantee they still have control. So if you want to say control of their own destiny, do the Seahawks have control of their own destiny? Not for the number one seed in the NFL and the NFC for the NFC West. The answer is yes. If the Seahawks win the next three, it doesn't matter what the 49ers do because the 49ers are playing them in the final game of the season. If the Seahawks win the next three, they are NFC West champs. No way, no how. Right? You got that? Yeah, I mean, you I'm understand not... why? You look a little lost over there. No, I, I didn't think I would lose you on that. <laughs> well, I didn't think that much, but I was I'm so bummed out about the loss, but if they finish the season 13 and 3, that's a really really good record and a really good season. They have and to win, but NFC. they have to win the next 3. They got to yeah. beat Carolina on the road. They got to beat Arizona at home and then they have to beat the 49ers. If they do that, the 49ers, right, could win the next two. They would lose to the Seahawks. If the Seahawks win the last three, both teams would finish 13-3. and three, And what's the first tiebreaker? Head-to-head, they beat them twice. Yeah, Boom. there you go. Boom. So at 13-3, at and three, I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball. Where do you, what seed do you think the Seahawks would be at 13-3? I think if they, if they go 13-3, and three, they'll be no worse than the number two seed, is my projection. Oh, okay. No worse than the number two seed. Now, the Green Bay Packers are back in the mix. They only have three losses, yeah. right? Um, the New Orleans Saints, even though they lost to the Niners on Sunday, they only have three losses. It's going to be a little bit difficult to get to the number one. That could happen too. Remember what we talked about, number one. If the Seahawks finish 13-3 and three, and they finish in a tie with New Orleans at 13-3 and three, and it's a two-way tie, the Saints will get the one and the Seahawks will get the two. We've talked about because this of head to head, yeah. because of the Teddy Bridgewater game, yep. right? Unless ah. there, there's a, another scenario where 13 and three could actually end up the number one seed finishing in a tie with the Saints. And how would that be? If the Packers throw themselves in the mix? If the Packers throw themselves in the mix and now it becomes a three way tie instead of a two way tie, there is a scenario, maybe, none li- maybe not so likely. I got to go back over it. There is a scenario in a three team. Remember, a three team tiebreaker is different than a two team tiebreaker because in a three team tiebreaker, Head-to-head only counts if one team has beaten both or if one team has lost to both. And if you get the Packers in there, they didn't play the Saints and they didn't play the Seahawks. So the Saints' victory over the Seahawks now is null and void. Right. It becomes a three-team tiebreaker. You go to conference record. There's a chance that New Orleans could fall out in a, in a tie, a, a conference record, and maybe the Seahawks could beat the Packers in a two-team tiebreaker and then end up the number one seed. It's a little bit of a far-fetched scenario. But not off the table, not a, Not off the table. Yeah. Okay. But if you're asking me, Mr. Postseason, if the Seahawks win the next three, forget the Rams game, which was a lousy, a stinker, yep. if, if they can just regroup, go to Carolina win, come back and beat the Arizona Cardinals and then beat the 49ers here on December 29th. They will be 13-3. and We know they will be NFC West champs. And for all intents and purposes, unless both the Saints and the Packers are going to both win out, I guess there is a scenario 
where they could end up a three seed at 13-3. and three. Super unlikely. Not going to happen. They're going to be number two or number one if they win the last three. Well, that's the good news. I like it. It's not a disaster then, losing to the Rams. Not a disaster. Not it, a disaster. It hurts, but not a disaster. Yeah. That's it, great. It may, it may have done away with their their reasonable chance to win the number one seed in the NFC. But I want to say something to you and to our listeners that I said on 68P that a lot of our listeners that are listening right now have not heard because they're not patrons. And why aren't you patrons? You would have heard it by now. Yeah. You would have patrons. There is a, and this is this, this is the one part of this conversation that is not being discussed by the Greg Bells and the and all the different guys that cover the Seahawks, and they do such a great job covering the Seahawks. But here's here's something you get from Mr. Postseason that you don't get. You're going to probably start hearing about it soon. When you read about it, you're going to laugh because you're going to say, oh, three weeks ago, Mr. Postseason told me this. I think I know what you're going to say. Can I guess? Yeah, because you and I talked about it on episode 68. Well, go ahead. We talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You said that if the if the 49ers are the five seed and in, in this and try to figure this out. You said it's almost better to be the two seed because you can avoid the 49ers. Is that right? Let me be more exact. Yes, you're right on the more right eloquent the too. A little more. No, not better, eloquent. But better just, spoken. No, 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 not eloquent. <laughs> more exact. Okay. What I said was that there's obviously always a difference between the number one, and number two seeds. The number one has home field advantage all the way through as long as they win. The number two gets a bye and one home game guaranteed and then has to be the highest remaining seed for the championship game to get a second game at home, right? Yep. So there's always a fundamental advantage, as there should be, between the one and the two. And what I said to you in 68P, I'll say again now in 69. Every once in a while, a year comes along where the difference between one and two is limited in terms of advantage. And maybe when you look back upon it, as far-fetched as it sounds, you might turn back and say, geez, it might have been even better to be the two seed than the one seed. Every once in a while, a year rolls around. Now, what has to happen for this to be one of those years? And why do I think that this is one of the years? I'll ask you the question I asked you on 68P, now that you've seen another game by each team. Which team in the NFC do you fear the most if you're a Seahawks fan? Yeah. Who who is it? In the whole NFL, I fear the San Francisco 49ers 49ers. more than any team. Okay, so let's think about this for a second. If you win out and get to 13-3 and and win the West, the 49ers are going to be the five seed most likely, right? Yep. The five plays the four. They would go to play Dallas in the first round. Yep. You as the two seed would be sitting out. The one seed, maybe the Saints, would be sitting out. The six would play the three. The five would play the four. The 49ers would be the five. With a gaudy record, better than just about everybody's record in the NFL, but still because they didn't win their division, they're sitting there at 13 and three potentially as the five seed, right? Let's say the Packers are four and the Vikings are six in this scenario, just so I can keep my head around it. Okay. Does that oh, work? Yeah, well, no, the three. Packers uh, three. would be three. Yeah, yeah, three. Packers would be three. Dallas, Dallas would be four. four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for this scenario. Yeah. The way the NFL playoffs work, as people know, it's not like the NBA playoffs or some of the other playoffs. It They reseeded at the uh, the The number one plays the highest remaining or the lowest remaining seed the worst after team. the first. The yeah. worst team, yeah, right? Record-wise, yeah. So if, if the 49ers are the five 
and the 49ers beat the four, they're going to be favorites to beat the Dallas Cowboys because you fear them and you think they're the, be- the best yeah. of the bunch. Right? Dallas is terrible. And let's say the six does not beat the three because the six is not supposed to beat the three, right? Yeah. If the favorite teams win, you'd have the five left and you'd have the three left, right? Yep. Who would the five play? Five the would have round. to play the, the number one. The number one. Yeah, they'd have to play the Saints. And so by being the two seed. You avoid the Niners. You avoid yeah. the Niners for an extra round. Now, what if the Niners win that second round game against the number one? Who hosts the That's NFC right. playoff? At the end of the championship game. The Seahawks hosted, yeah, yeah. number so two. My suggestion to you, this is one of those years that the differences between being a two and a one are limited. So don't get crazy over the fact that they're not a number one. In fact, it may actually be an advantage to be the two instead of the one this year because how good the five seed, the non-divisional winning wild card team, when they're, every once in a while there's a killer team that doesn't win its division but has to sit at that wild card, you're better off in that year being the two seed than you are the one seed. Unless the Packers at three... F us by losing to the Vikings. Right. Then we have to play the 49ers. Then you have to play yeah. the 49ers. The Packers could really be the turn in the punch bowl a couple of different ways, couldn't they? <laughs> I mean, if they jump in that three-way tie, they're going to screw the Saints, right? They could. Yeah. And they then could. if they end up losing to number they six, could. Minnesota. Have, yes. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot that can happen. It's fun, though. I cannot wait. It's going to be so fun to see how this all shakes out. And as out. I said, on 69P on Thursday, I'll go through everything in an organized format with percentages and all kinds of goody stuff. I just can't do that tonight because I didn't have enough time to do that. I need time to. Mr. Postseason needs time to hash that stuff out. Well, and you only do it over tacos, too, typically. So, you know, if you if you don't have tacos in front of you, you can't do the math. And so. that was my next point. There will be no free tacos on Tuesday. Why? Because the Seahawks, forget scoring a running touchdown. Diggs doesn't count. He ran it in. Does <laughs> <laughs> that not count? Let me get on the phone with taco time. <laughs> That's right. He ran with the ball across the end zone. I don't know. Yeah, let me get on the phone yeah. with taco time and see. Everyone should still go and still pay. and just. I'll be there. Yeah. I go there every Tuesday. Whether they run one in or not, I go to I go to Taco Time every Tuesday for lunch. It's my football, it's my football season deal. Tuesdays. It's where the magic tacos. happens with all Isn't that what LeBron James does? Taco Tuesdays? Doesn't he doesn't he I think he tried to trademark it or yeah, something, I didn't he, he? I think yeah. he did, yeah. yeah. So there will be no free tacos at any of the taco locations, taco time locations, but there will be great lunch there. I promise oh, you there will be great lunch. Always and I will be there, and I urge you to go to Taco Time on Tuesdays. I urge you to order ahead, and I, you can join me. I'll let you know where I'm going. Taco Time. join me. They've given away plenty of free tacos. Just go and pay. and you know, it's, it's, Just go spend your money this, this Tuesday. <laughs> they've, they've done plenty for the Seahawks fans, all right? We'll get go three, buy your lunch. We'll get three running tacos against <laughs> running touchdowns for tacos against the Carolina That's right. Panthers. It'll How work about, out. How about yeah, that? I like right? it. All right, three guests we got New Heisel on the final four of college football, the Washington Bowl game in the Las Vegas Bowl against Boise State, and all the other good stuff that's happening. USC is keeping their coach. Mike Leach signed a new contract extension. So everything you want to know about college football and a lot of fun, too, with Rick Neuheisel in our next segment. And then two other guest interviews. Jason Hamilton returns to the show to talk about the Gonzaga-Washington game and the Patrick Reed episode. And Jeff Goodman, who picked Washington to go to the Final Four, is kind of our college basketball expert. He's going to be with us each and every two weeks or so. Every other episode of Mm -hmm. Mitch Unfiltered, he'll be on episode 69 as well. And then we've got a lot of other stuff to rehash, okay? Tons. The other stuff segment, okay? Busy weekend. Okay. So Hot Shot Friday night, the wife is out of town and the boys and I are looking for a place to enjoy a meal and watch the Pac-12 championship game, Utah and Oregon. And then it dawns on me, 
I haven't been at the newest Zeke's Pizza location in Woodenville yet on 135th Avenue Northeast. So off we go. And frankly, I had no idea what we were in for. The place is magnificent. TV's all over the place, a great bar area, a fireplace. I think it's the biggest of all 17 locations. Really was awesome, except for the Mitch Unfiltered listener who was also there and sent over a glass full of mushrooms to our table. But that's a story for another day, and that's the truth. The three of us had pizza, salad, breadsticks. We just loved it. Zeke's dough made every morning in its kitchen on Finney Ridge, then delivered fresh daily to all 17 locations. Every pizza is hand-tossed when you order it. If you want to watch sports events, whatever they are, Seahawks, Husky Hoops games, bowl games, whatever it is this holiday season, I'm telling you, there's nothing like fabulous pizza, a craft beer or two, and Zeke's pizza at one of their seven spots like the newest one that we took in in Woodenville. It is an easy call. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Fields with time in the end zone. Oh, Jeremy Rucker, give me that. Episode 69 is here. Fireside Home Solutions brings you Rick Neuheisel, and I'm assuming, Rick, that we don't have any more touchdown passes to Vern Lundquist or any other CBS, <laughs> NBC, or ABC uh, correspondents to talk about. So I guess we could get right to the final four of college football, which is which is set. But before we do that, let's start in the Pac-12. A, are you convinced that Utah would have made it now that you've seen it over Oklahoma had Utah beaten Oregon on Friday night? And B, how do you explain the egg that the Utes laid on Friday night? I did not expect that. I thought Utah was going to beat Oregon pretty handily. Number one, uh, I still believe Utah would have been the choice had they played uh... – Utah-type football, what we've become accustomed to over the course of the season. Uh, But that was not the case. Uh, You know, they just – I don't know if the stage was too big, uh, the light too bright, given that they were playing for a playoff spot, or it was uh, just give credit to that Oregon offensive line. That Oregon offensive line, which had been much heralded to start the season and obviously produced uh, big numbers for the Duck offense – uh, was the better when uh, matched against what we thought was the, you know, one of the best defensive fronts in all of college football. They came into the game number one in rush defense, and yet uh, Oregon runs for 239 yards against them. Mm-hmm. So that was the tail of the tape. You know, then it, Tyler Huntley wasn't at his best. They didn't have uh, a great night offensively, uh, but give Andy Avalos and that duck defense credit for that. So. Uh, it was not an accident watching it. It was a little bit shocking given what my expectation was coming into the game, but uh, 
the right team won the game and, and give Oregon credit and wish them well against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Rick Neuheisel, you, you spent your Saturday in Atlanta and it was not at Eastlake, site of the Tour Championship where you were playing. <laughs> I, I think you were watching what was supposed to be a football game. Many of us expected LSU to, over the course of 60 minutes, take control of Georgia, and we would have been right on that. Any, any surprise with the way LSU handled Georgia or not? No, uh, it was it was textbook uh, what has become a Joe Brady offense uh, with Joe Burrow as his trigger man. Give Steve Ensminger a credit as well for allowing both to be at their best. Uh, it's nothing wrong with being a coordinator, that taking good ideas, and both those guys offer terrific uh, ideas. You saw them put wide receivers in the backfield to get uh, a matchup advantages and, and it, it was just a it was a textbook clinic by Joe Burrow which in a season that has been a textbook season by a quarterback I said during the telecast this guy speaks quarterback uh, he he has he understands the language he can have the conversation without a blackboard without film he knows where all 22 are as you, as you sit and have dialogue and the guy also has the ability to extend plays we saw some just magical plays as he made people miss and and uh, and kept his eyes down the field. Burrow will be the Heisman Trophy winner, and he'll be a quarterback that LSU fans will never forget. Do you think we're going to see that one play where he voids the sack twice and throws the ball down the field on, on Heisman Trophy Saturday? How many? What's the over-under on how many times we're going to see that play on our television <laughs> screens? Well, the only thing missing is he didn't do the Heisman pose after he hit the pass, <laughs> right? It, it wasn't... Uh, uh, that that is the only thing missing from the highlight. But yeah, it was it was clinical, and, and I've been you know lauding this guy this kid's uh, performance for some time. I had a chance to go and actually sit down with him, and he's exactly as I thought he would be. He's you know one of those guys got a little sass to him, uh, but also just really really uh, cerebral when it comes to the game. And I think his game is going to translate translate beautifully to the NFL. Somebody is going to be really lucky to have him. Is he a day one starter in the NFL, or is he a guy that needs to hold the clipboard and watch? And I'm assuming you're going to tell me that depends on what the situation is and who drafts him, right? Well, that's that's exactly right. But will he be more ready than any college quarterback that I've seen recently? The, the answer to that is absolutely. Yeah. Strong enough arm? Plenty strong enough. Okay. You know, it, it it's not uh, – uh, howitzer uh, it isn't uh, you know going to be the strongest arm in the league but in terms of his ability to anticipate which is the number one skill that has to uh, uh, has to be available to a guy whether it's ready uh, when you get there or not you have to be able to anticipate because the openings in, in pro football are just as uh, prevalent as they are in college football they just don't stay open so you have to know that they are uh, coming available, you have to understand exactly what you're seeing and then throw with great trust. And, and that Burrow's done that beautifully. We are so appreciative to Fireside Home Solutions, John and his team, for making Rick Neuheisel possible. FiresideHomeSolutions.com, your search for a new fireplace this winter season. The only intrigue that was left come Sunday when they made the announcement of who the Final Four would be was, was it going to be LSU, Ohio State, or vice versa? Did they get it right that's the first question. And the second question is everyone is just assuming that one gets a huge advantage of facing Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma instead of Clemson. Is this a be careful what you wish for scenario or is Oklahoma truly an easy out for LSU? 
Well, the answer to question one is yes, they got it right. LSU, by virtue of their schedule, was deserving of the number one spot, and it was made easy for the committee given Ohio State's troubles with Wisconsin, at least in the first half. Uh, As to whether or not Oklahoma is an easy out, I would never count out Jalen Hurts. I think he is, uh, if there's such a thing as a model citizen in college football, he is it. He has done exactly what he's been asked to do at the highest level, whether he was the starter at Alabama where he went 26-2, and whether he was the backup of Alabama where he did what he was told and came off the bench to get him through the SEC championship game a year ago, or whether he's been the transfer quarterback moving on to Oklahoma and putting up monster numbers over 1,000 yards as a rusher and you know just uh, impeccable – touchdown to interception ratio as a passer, this guy's the complete deal. So you can never take them lightly. And Alex Grinch, their new defensive coordinator who comes to them from Ohio State, has made their defense pesky. You know, that was their their uh, uh, Achilles heel in the first three times they'd been to the playoffs. This, uh, hopefully for Oklahoma fans, will be a different Sooner team that plays in Atlanta. And then there's the other game, which is the marquee matchup that everybody's waiting to see. Not that, uh, you know, you can't, I don't know that you can ask for four bigger, high-profile name programs you got, and you got big-time quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, This is going to be, I would think, a landslide victory for college football fans throughout the nation. But Clemson, I see, has opened up a small favorite from the three-hole over Ohio State. That just has toss-up written all over it, right? It is a toss-up. Uh, I actually think by game start, the Ohio State Buckeyes might go to the uh, the favorite yeah. role in that game just because I think you're going to have Justin Fields healthy. You know, he played the last few weeks of the season nicked up. I think three weeks' time for him will be really a huge deal. And Trevor Lawrence, uh, who's a fantastic quarterback and hot right now, I think he's got eight games in a row where he's thrown three touchdown passes or more, uh, doesn't have the same run threat ability that Fields does. Mm -hmm. I think the defenses are both really, really good with really good players all over. Isaiah Simmons for Clemson is a fantastic talent. We've all heard about Chase Young for Ohio State. He's a fantastic talent. So there's much there's much to uh, see when you're looking at those defensive sides. But ultimately, I think I'm going to lean Ohio State in this game. Mm. Why? Because of the run threat of fields. Okay. J.K. Dobbins and I, I, I called J.K. Dobbins and, and uh, uh, Travis Etienne kind of a wash. I call the offensive lines a wash. I call the defenses and and the way they they uh, are are coached a wash. Uh, I'm going with the quarterback with uh, Ohio State because of his legs. I think the ability for him to win games with his legs at the end of the day will be the difference. I haven't asked you, by the way, Rick. Rick Neuheisel brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. I, I haven't asked you about all of Dabo's whining the last few weeks. He he says the la- the latest is we started number one. We won every game, almost all convincingly, but found a way to drop two spots and finish number three. <laughs> He's got some something well, of a he, point there. When he's right, he's right. But uh, <laughs> we all watched a team that looked uh, at times lethargic. I mean, with I think five games into the season, his quarterback had eight interceptions, was in the bottom third of the college football 
passers in terms of his ability to take care of the football. And so there was some concern. Couple that with the fact that the ACC didn't look like a very strong conference, and especially when they played Clemson. <laughs> they looked ridiculously uh, overmatched. And uh, you, you sit there and you wonder if this is a team that's as good as some of these other teams going through much stiffer competition. I, I kind of think of Clemson as an SEC juggernaut in the ACC. And uh, that's why they're able to have this kind of uh, monster advantage that they've enjoyed now with five straight conference titles, which is the first time that's ever been done in, uh, in FBS history. Going back to your point about how lethargic they look, were they bored? Every year they line up against the same it, ACC opponents and they, they run the table on the ACC, except for Syracuse every once in a while, that, that juggernaut from uh, <laughs> Central New York. But they, 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 run, they, they, they seem to have zero problems with the ACC, and I just wonder how motivated they are to play these teams every year. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. But at the end of the day, all four of these teams – uh, have a great chance. You know, what, what the seeding means really uh, doesn't make much of a difference with respect to where you play or uh, what uniform you wear. You're not getting a home field advantage, uh, although the, the fact that the championship game is just a mile, few miles down the road right. from LSU is uh, interesting. But, but at the end of the day, uh, I think Clemson's are a heck of a football team, and we're going to find out uh, how, how good when they square off against the Buckeyes. All right, I have a couple of last things for you, and if you uh, are gracious enough to answer them like you always are, we'll give you a week off from Mitch Unfiltered. We won't make you come back for 70, but we're going to ask you back for 71. And why are we going to ask you back for 71? Because 71 is going to be recorded just after the Las Vegas Bowl is played, Rick. Chris Peterson, did somebody have a weird sense of humor? Chris Peterson ends his Washington coaching career against, of all teams, Boise State. What do you make of that? I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. It'll be Chris Peterson Day. <laughs> and uh, both crowd uh, bases will be able to appreciate what's been a remarkable career. And uh, hopefully he feels uh, the kind of adulation that he deserves given uh, his career at both both spots. Did I see where my two all-time favorite coaches are together at the Citrus Bowl? Harbaugh and Saban? I couldn't think of a better <laughs> of a better matchup for Mitch to watch. I don't know. I, I guess I got to root for a tie of some sort in that game. The speeches have been reduced to one minute for each. <laughs> they decided that they don't need to spend a lot of time to give the microphone to either one for much time. So that, that part, uh, people feel some measure of uh, – uh, of joy for given the holiday season and 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 finally as a guy who spent so much time in LA so much of your life in LA both as a player and as a coach and as a family man uh, you must have a thought or two on USC's decision which I thought was somewhat surprising to stay with Clay Helton at least for another year well the fact that they waited as long as they waited to make the decision to, to announce publicly that Clay Helton was going to be the next guy means that they did an exhaustive search to see if they could get somebody that would move the needle uh, and make a change. There was rumors that Bob Stoops had been contacted. We all had heard that uh, uh, James Franklin was in the mix. Urban Meyer was in the mix. Obviously, given all that conversation and talk, it never got there. 
I, I find it interesting that James Franklin just got a new deal at Penn State. That lends more credence to the fact that James Franklin was in on that deal. But at the end of the day, they could not come up with a enough of a package for any of those guys to say, yeah, I'm in. So they sat there and said, we got Clay Helton's our best bet then. That it is not exactly what a lot of those big money Trojan fans wanted to hear. What will be interesting is to see what attendance looks like yeah. next year for the Trojans. Does Does Clay go into that thing feeling like a consolation prize? He doesn't care. <laughs> Clay, <laughs> Clay is just excited that his name's still on the parking spot, and it gives him another year. He's got another little bit of an issue, though, Mitch, because uh, I'm told Graham Harrell is the subject of some uh, big – profile uh, opportunities uh, as a coordinator at other locations, including Texas. Can he hang on to his offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell? That'll be his biggest recruit as we uh, head into the recruiting season. Terrific stuff. Uh, Rick Neuheisel of CBS. You saw him on CBS's coverage of the SEC championship game. You've heard him a week to week here. Uh, We're going to give you, as I said, give you episode 70 off, but I'm going to invite you or hope that you'll join us again in a couple of weeks. We'll talk. We'll talk about the Vegas Bowl, what it looked like, what Washington looked like to your eye, and, of course, preview the national semifinals and get some picks from you. So thanks very much for this. Have a good couple of weeks. Good holiday. Happy holidays to your family, and we'll talk to you down the line. I look forward to it, Mitch. Happy holidays, bud. So there you have it. Rick Neuheisel presented by Fireside Home Solutions. We've got our final four in college football, like it or not, big programs, big quarterbacks, Heisman Trophy winners, LSU versus Oklahoma, and Ohio State versus Clemson in the national semifinals. I say this all the time because I believe it. Daniel's Broiler is a special restaurant, and one of the things that makes Daniel special is their belief in world-class hospitality. Of course, you expect excellent steaks and seafood at Daniel's. Of course, you expect the world-class views and the great wine list. But we live in a time when hospitality is becoming a lost art in these restaurants, and that's a shame. When you go to a Daniel's Broiler... Your needs come first, and that starts with world-class hospitality. Daniel's goal is to make every guest feel like they are a part of the Daniel's family, and I'm not just talking about being polite. It's much more than that. World-class hospitality is making every guest feel warm, welcome, and important this holiday season. As you know from the real world, that doesn't happen by accident. How you're treated is just as important to Daniel's as the excellence of their food. Locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and the new downtown Hyatt Regency where we watch the Vikings and the Seahawks. And that location is serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. I love Daniel's Broiler. Always have world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Beautiful ball movement. Ryan Woolridge hangs and gets it to go. You get right there, and we just couldn't make a play. Um, you know, you got to make some plays. You know, we got they, they got that one at the end of the shot clock, uh, you know, in our red situation, hit a big three. Tilly hit a huge, that was a big three. Uh, we missed a layup, um, you know, in, in, in championship games uh, at this caliber. Uh, you, when you're playing a top 10 team, you know, every, every play matters. Well, episode, <laughs> episode number 69 doesn't have a really kind of joyous holiday season feel to it. 
We had the Sunday night disaster in Los Angeles for the Rams and Seahawks, and it wasn't much better. It was a little bit better, more competitive anyway, for the Washington Huskies as we waited for this this day to come. Gonzaga and Washington, Jason D. Hamilton. Now that it's come and gone, and Gonzaga's got a seven-point victory over Washington, I know you tweeted out that you thought, geez, it was there for Washington to win. They just couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of, of the Baylor game to start the season, uh, Mitch, where Washington was down the entire game and then had this miraculous comeback in the last few minutes, um, big Nas Carter three, and then sealing it with free throws at the end where you felt like, all right, Washington really hasn't had the lead uh, in this game. Down four at half, and it's kind of been a four- to six-point game for most of the game in the second half with some with some stretches. And um, the Huskies were right there. You know, they get the possession back down – down four, and they needed a score. They turn it over, uh, you know, when they cut it to two late in the yeah. game yeah. and needed to get a stop and with the chance to, to go up. They get the stop, but then they turn it over. Uh, it just They just were never able to, to reach, reach the pinnacle, reach the top, and, and get over the hump. And, unfortunately, it's another loss to, uh, to the cross-state rival Gonzaga Bulldogs. And it was a great game, but – you know, it's a it's a gutting type loss. It was crazy from the standpoint that I've never seen a game. I don't remember ever seeing a game that was played in the same range. Literally, the whole game was like between four and eight. I, I, I it must have been thirty five minutes of game action where the the Gonzaga yeah. lead was either was from four to eight. They never got it really to double digits. Maybe they did, and I didn't see it. They, I know they that I know that Washington got it to seventy two seventy, but for the most part, I sat there watching. It was like eating my vegetables as a kid. I just, they just, could, I mean, it was four, six, four, seven, four, six, the whole damn night. It was, it was that way. Yeah, it was maddening. I mean, Gonzaga's biggest lead in the second half was nine, with about eight and a half to go in the game, and then from there. Uh, Washington was able to to cut it, you know, it, like you said, and it just it just lived in this in this purgatory of of you know four to six points. It got down to three at one point at six and a half minutes to go, and then it got down to two as you just talked about with three almost four minutes to go, three fifty four to go. Jade McDaniel's hits a a gigantic three from the top of the yeah, key yeah. to cut it seventy two seventy. And it went back and forth, you know, a few of those possessions. Nas Carter hit a three after a three from yeah. Killian Tilly from long range, yeah. long range. There was yeah. two dagger-type threes, one from Killian Tilly, and then obviously the last one from Ayayi uh, with 25 seconds to go. But, yeah, it, it lived in that, that range, and Washington, you know, just couldn't get that stop or, or, or couldn't get more momentum to go in the last couple of minutes. Pretty good defensive possession at the end when Ayayi hit the three, or no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, uh, listen, a guy shoots a, what, 27, 28-footer and, and hits it? I mean, you know, it, it wasn't like he had a, a, a monster night from three-point range prior to that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you let a guy have a, an unobstructed look at it and he knocks it down and you got to give him credit. But, yeah, it's one of those deals where – 
it, it's you know the craziness of college basketball in in uh, in an early season matchup. What's the silver lining? Is there a silver lining, or don't you see it that way? Obviously, a very young team that promises to be better or should be better at the end of the year than they are right now. Is that the silver lining and that they can win a game like this come tournament time? Or is there something that I'm not looking at? I see a bench that had three points. I know that's been a problem um, all season. Um, they're Obviously, they're very young. I, I, will, they, will they grow up by the time March rolls around? Yeah, no, there, there, is, there is a silver lining. There is... There is the the idea that if you look at Gonzaga, and and I'm sure people who are listening to this right now will say, well, Gonzaga lost a ton to, and they're a restructured team, and 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 right. But if you look at Gonzaga early in this season, they win a game in OT against a good Oregon team in the Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. They lose in pretty resounding fashion to a Michigan team. This is a, a Gonzaga team that's, that's while reconfigured is a very good team, certainly a top 10 team and a chance to be a, a second, maybe even a third weekend team in the NCAA tournament. So if you're Washington and you play a home game against Gonzaga, you take it to the wire, you're still young. You're still trying to figure out who you are. You make a million mistakes and turn the ball over 19 times. Uh, Gonzaga wins the game because of points off turnovers and of offensive rebounding. And those are the two, two areas, Mitch, where you actually have control of your actions. And and coach Mike Hopkins said that to us in the post game show. He's like, you know, these are some places that we can clean up and and we can be better. Uh, We've got to be better on the glass. We cannot turn the ball over. If Washington takes care of those two things, I think we're having a very different conversation tonight. But certainly, as we look forward, um, I think this team has uh, has a ceiling that uh, has not even been even close to being met at this point in the season in December. So essentially, Jay Ham, the non-conference season is over. I know there's a Seattle game. I think there's a Ball State game. But you had three shots, right? You had three out-of-conference, non-conference shots when you're Washington. You had yep. Baylor... Tennessee to a lesser extent, and of course, Gonzaga. You go one for three. So you hang your hat on a Baylor win. That looks real good right now. Hopefully it'll continue to look good. Baylor, I think, beat Arizona over the weekend. Baylor's a, a top-notch yeah. team. But you only win yeah. one out of the three. You'd like, to have had, you'd like to have had two out of the three. Two out of the three. Yeah, right. no, no, no doubt. And the Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's, I think, 18 in the country at this point. I mean, that's not going to be a bad loss. You know, so you face some really, really good competition, um, you know, so far in the non-conference. And there isn't a ton of quality uh, to, to get in, in, you know, the, the last bit of it here with, uh, with the Diamond Head Classic. But you you faced a couple of teams and you had a chance to get some wins and you were only able to get the one. But that's much better, as you well know, Miss. We've talked about this. Getting one is much better than getting zero, which has been the the, the norm in the last couple of years. All right. What do you think? What are they going to do in the conference? Give me a number. Uh, you know, I would I would I would probably put the over under at thirteen. Oh. 13 gets them in, no problem. They're in the the tournament yeah. thirteen, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go thirteen and five, depending on who those losses are to, I think you're, you know, with the strength of schedule, with the, all the analytics, with, you know, um, 
the win over over Baylor to start the year, I, I think you've got a great shot. And I think 13, to me at least, 13 is a fairly realistic number. I, I think it it's achievable. Um, and I, I think if this team grows, it, it could be better than that. I mean, obviously, if they make some, you know, if there's injuries or any other, you know, kind of variable that is unforeseen that that might change but 13 i think is a is a fair number to to kind of start to look at as we as we get towards the back 12 is isaiah stewart getting enough touches every game you know that's the biggest frustration that i have and and probably the biggest frustration i have when washington got it to 72 70 um in the game against gonzaga you know at that point the ball has to go through Isaiah Stewart. He has to touch it. When you start looking at, you know, the time and score, and that's really the biggest element to the mature teams. They understand time and score, right? They, they, they get the situation they're in. They're not going to take a quick shot when they don't need a quick shot. If they don't have anything right to the rim, they're going to pull it out and run a set. Isaiah Stewart, when you're in crunch time, has to touch the basketball, no matter what. I don't care if – you know, somebody drops off of you and, and it looks to be a good shot. It's fool's gold at that point. You've got to get Isaiah Stewart a touch four feet from the basket and ride that and expect him to take you home. And I think as the season progresses, um, the guys around him will get that. They get it in other spots, but down in crunch time, he's got to touch it. He's got to touch it. He scored 21 against Gonzaga on seven shots, Jay. Yeah. He got yeah, he I mean, got seven, he got seven field goal attempts, made six of them, got to the line a lot, scored twenty one points and ten rebounds. I, I challenge you all year to find a guy in college basketball that scores twenty one on seven field goal attempts, who's a big man with no threes. I agree a hundred percent. And you know it's funny there were there were thirty NBA scouts at the Gonzaga Washington game from wow. twenty one different teams. Wow, and. You could see. I mean, there's multiple players on the floor in that game that they're that they're looking at, obviously. Um, and I think that there's a there's a few bigs on on Gonzaga that have a chance to play in the league as well. But you look at Isaiah Stewart and his efficiency, uh, how he commands a double team, the fact that he shot it great from the free throw line. I mean, he he just needs to get it more. And it's hard for Washington to not just stare at him if you're on the perimeter and you want to do a post injury because everybody knows it's going to him, he's a willing passer, but you've got to be better with the basketball to get it to him and not turn it over. And if you can get him more touches, uh, I think you got a better chance to win. That's, that's, that's my high level analysis. I love the high, God, I love the high, I love the high level analysis so much that I'm, <laughs> that I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to throw you a curveball that you're not expecting. I'm just going to throw you okay. a little knuckleball. See if you can hit it. Your, okay. your boy Patrick Reed at Tigers tournament. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! How in the world could you say with a straight face that you weren't trying to improve your lie as you've got a shovel? <laughs> you got a shovel skipping dirt on the way out. I mean, the I mean, he has the routine down. Okay, it's a waste area, so I can ground my club. Okay, great. We all know that. Then I'm going to start my practice swing like I would, and I'm just going to, you know, take a few, a few grams of of, of <laughs> sand with me as as I go out. And boy, oh boy, it's going to make the next shot. Twice, Mitch. Oh. Twice he throws it back there. Oh. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's bad. What, what? It's bad, right? Okay, so what is the crowd going to do to him at the President's Cup? Well, yeah, I mean, are they going to are yeah. they going to heckle him? Of course they are. Of course they are. I'm going to heckle him. I'm going to go to Australia. And I'm going to I'm going to heckle him too. I'm rooting against. Uh, he he found he found a way to get me to root against the United States team this weekend. Oh, I you know. Don't get me started on Patrick Reed. I mean, I just I go back to the whole mom and dad thing at the Masters. You know that. Yeah, uh, I do. You know, I do. they're they're three it, miles. It, they're he, five miles down the road. They live three to five miles down the road, and he didn't allow them to come to the tournament to watch him win the Masters. And they live in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. Is he the most unlikable oh, oh. PGA guy right now? Uh, who? Well, Sergio. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a cast of characters. Okay, I have one more question for you. Cause yeah. I like I like this. Yeah, table is turned on Mitch. Yeah, I like. Uh, so, do you think based on the Hero World uh, challenge that they um, that Tiger and JT played together, that you put back the combination of Spieth, who's basically the forgotten man in the world of golf right now, and Patrick Reed? I thought that Spieth isn't even on the team. <laughs> See, there you go. That he's a forgotten man. That the, the, he doesn't. He doesn't belong. I don't know. Are you asking me? A, is that a trick question, Your Honor? I mean, you're yes, asking me a question. I, thought, about, I, I, I don't I thought, think Spieth is on the team, is he? I don't even know. I thought if we, I thought if we paired Spieth and Patrick Reed together, and Spieth's not on the team, then we're in good shape. Oh, okay. I see. That's a good backtrack. Nice job, backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, all right. Thank you for this. Let's talk again soon. Thanks for being on. Bye bye. Great to hear Jason Hamilton, J-Ham, back on Mitch Unfiltered. Geez, the guy's becoming a regular again, talking Huskies basketball. So I've hosted two Seahawks viewing parties at Daniels, and both times patrons approached to tell me that they were refinancing their home with Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage. Mike even said that he pulled out $12,656.19 to do some home improvements. So stop procrastinating and continuing to pay more each month. The Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage will do a deal that keeps you right where you are now, no starting over the 30-year period, a finance gets you out of that mortgage insurance which is really costly and also you can pull some money out like mike to do some remodels there's only one thing that you shouldn't be doing and that's just sitting there listening to me unwilling to at the very least take a 10-minute phone call to find out your options there are three of the nation's top one percent brokers in the kirkland office of guild mortgage alone here's the phone number 425-250-3150 again 425-250-3150. The worst thing that can happen is after 10 minutes, you find out that you can't do better on your home than you're doing now. But the flip side is you can pay less each month with a refi of your home that doesn't start you all over. The Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage, 425-250-3150. Unfiltered. spurt for the Cardinals. McMahon. Man, he is pure. So thrilled to have on episode 69 and throughout the college basketball season, our guy Jeff Goodman, who knows college basketball as well as anybody. We're going to talk a lot about the national scene. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Jeff, before we, we get to your daughter and your trip to Cincinnati and Ohio State, you obviously saw a little bit of the Gonzaga-Washington game as you were traveling. 
kind of put put it into words for me. What does it all mean? Gonzaga is really good, and and they're always really good. I kind of questioned it a little bit this year because of their guard play, um, but the guard play has been, you know, overall it's solid, and their bigs. Tilly looks good, obviously. Uh, Petrusev looks uh, much better than maybe we thought this year. You know, this isn't a team that's going to have a probably a, a first round pick, um, but you know, overall they're just. As I tweeted, they're the best program in the West. And I went to school at Arizona, and I'm saying that. I mean, they are. They're, they're the best program in the West. They have been. So I think for UW to play them that close and, uh, you know, again, guard play still isn't what you want it to be completely, but Isaiah was really good. Uh, Jaden showed flashes, which uh, he will throughout the year. I, you know, I, I'm not sure it's a win, but you could see it even from Mike Hopkins right after the, the loss. Um, I, I don't think you can be too frustrated when you, you, you play Gonzaga toe-to-toe like they did. Quade Green's got to play better, doesn't he? Yeah, listen, that's been my question. That's going to be my question all year. Um, he's solid, but is he good enough? Is he good enough to, to get this team, which has two really talented front-court players, uh, and some really good pieces. Is, is he good enough to lead them to a Final Four? That That's my big concern. Jeff Goodman is the guest, brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. So it looks like in terms of non-conference, Jeff, they got three shots essentially this year. Yeah. They got Baylor, yeah. they got Tennessee, and they got Gonzaga. They go one and two. They're going to have to you know, kind of hang their hat on that Baylor win, which looks better and better as Baylor continues to beat teams like your alma mater. Sure does. It sure does. And if you're a UW fan, you are rooting for those Baylor Bears as much as humanly possible to to win the Big 12 or at least finish second of the Big 12. I think Kansas is going to win the Big 12 again um, and start a new streak. But uh, Baylor has uh, veteran, you know, tough athletic guards. And I think Tristan Clark, as he gets healthier, they're going to be an even tougher out. So, yeah, I mean, listen, again, you would have loved to have gotten two of the three, um, but you got one. You got one, and the Pac-12, the good news is that the Pac-12's got some teams now uh, that are going to give you shots at, at getting you know resume wins for, for the tournament selection committee come March. I follow Jeff Goodman on Twitter, as everybody should. I saw where you went to the, uh, the great state of Ohio. You combined it with a, a college trip for your daughter. You saw one of the most unsung rivalries in all of college basketball. And you saw an Ohio State team, while everybody was watching their football team, something happened yeah. with Ohio State basketball. This is, a, this is a genuine Final Four team, isn't it? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, listen, we, we had a great trip and, and kind of planned it really around my daughter as much as anything, that this was a weekend. I knew we could do it. Um, I looked for a school that I felt like she's only a sophomore in high school, you know, but a school that I felt like would be uh, a potential good fit for her. Um, she's kind of been dead set on like a city, a city, a city, going to like an NYU or something like that in New York. And I wanted to show her something else. So we went to Ohio State. And uh, it, she loved it. We had a tour Saturday morning uh, for about an hour and a half. Uh, and then we went to the game. And, uh, and it was a great day. So we went to that game at noon. And as you said, I mean, Ohio State looks the part right now of a Final Four team. Uh, they've got all the pieces. In fact, when I look at them, I see fewer flaws 
than any other team in the country. And that includes Louisville, who's number one, or Maryland, who some people have as number two right now. I, I think Ohio State, they got a big guy in Caleb Weston who's really transformed his body and his game. They got young players. Uh, they got veterans. They play together. So we did that at, at noon, and the game finished. And then my daughter was never a sports fan, never a sports fan until six months ago. Now all of a sudden she's kind of gotten into the media a little bit. She does her own sports Instagram account. Wow. So I had her interview Chris Holtman at, at, after the game. He was great. I mean, I kind of prepped him of, hey, she's <laughs> trying to do this. And most coaches are going to be good on that as long as you know him. So he, he went along with it, and she interviewed him after the game. And the, the best part was – uh, she hit him with a tough third question. The first two were kind of softballs. And then the third one was, you know, how are you going to handle the fact that uh, you're keeping your team, which is 9-0, and and keeping them kind of uh, focused and, and making sure they're not full of themselves. I forget how she worded it. Yeah. Uh, but he was like at a loss because she thought another softball question was coming. <laughs> so it was it was a blast. It was a blast. Uh... And then from there we went to Xavier, we went to Xavier for the Crosstown shootout, which I had never been to. I had never been to it, and uh, the schools are 2.6 miles away from each other, Xavier and Cincinnati. And, oh, my God, the atmosphere, they they despise one another. I mean, <laughs> like, like Duke, Carolina, there's a level of hatred. Kentucky, Louisville, there's a higher level of hatred. And I'm, I'm serious. I think Xavier and Cincinnati is a higher level. The programs aren't as good, obviously, but I think it's a higher level of hatred than either of those. I understand that in Cincinnati, 10-year-olds are allowed to go to bars with $1,000 cash in their hands. Is that true? Awesome. <laughs> no, no. So, like, I'm walking out I'm walking out with Travis Steele, the, the Xavier head coach, uh, after the game, and I heard him saying this. You know, they're going to go to the, the basically the Xavier bar, the campus bar. And at that time, I think the, the plan was, as we walked out, he was gonna pay for all their uh, their drinks for the first thirty minutes. Yeah. For the next thirty minutes. Yeah. And he changed it and he brought a grand in to the bar with his son, who I don't know <laughs> I don't even know if he's ten. I think he looks like he's seven or eight, to be honest. <laughs> Wife and, 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 and kid, and he proceeds to say the next thousand uh, dollars is on me. Uh, which was very cool. Very uh, cool. That's how much that rivalry means in that town, huh? Oh, oh man. It, yeah, it it was fun. Again, my my whole weekend, we just got home and and uh, the whole the whole trip, you know. The, actually, it was a little emotional. You know, sophomore in high school, and we're taking the tour. Sure. Um, on Saturday morning, and it was like, oh man, like I got two and a half more years before she's gone, and yeah. she's, you know, she's she's out of school, like maybe at Ohio State or or wherever. It just it got a little emotional going on our first unofficial college tour. Jeff Goodman, Stadium Sports. Uh, let's talk about for for a moment or two what's transpired, the highlights of what's transpired since you and I visited two weeks ago. Michigan went and had that great holiday tournament, then came home a little sluggish and lost to Louisville. Yeah. Uh, Virginia has been quietly very good again. I'm not sure what happened when they when they played Purdue. I'm still not sure I understand what happened there. Uh, what what have you seen? Who are the best three or four? Give me the best four. Give me the Goodman four. The good and plenty four at this moment right. in time. I would go Ohio State at one right now. Like I think there are three teams that are locked in today. Like if you had to pick the number one seeds today, right. Right. you would you would say um, Louisville's gotta be one, Ohio State's gotta be one, Maryland's gotta be one. Those three I, I think are locks. 
And then I think like Duke, Kansas um, are probably in the mix. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting about anybody, but certainly Duke's got some some pretty good wins lately. Um, you know, you look at, at the way they beat Michigan State in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. And, and I took Michigan State out of the top 25 probably before anybody. I just feel like, again, too many people are ranking teams based on the, front of the, the name on the front of their jerseys. And forget about that. Like, that should not matter at this point at all. But um, I, I think, again, too many people still – um, you know, take take too much into that instead of just saying who are the teams that are that are most deserving. And, and again, I think the top three right now are, are are those three, and then I think Kansas and Duke are four and five in some order. Last question for Jeff Goodman: John Beeline was such a great, great college basketball coach, and I think, at least for me, I can't speak for you, Jeff. He caught me off guard when he went to the NBA. I never looked at him as an NBA coach. And when I heard that story, when I got up that day and I read that story, I was like, really? Wow, that's surprising. I thought he was a college basketball coach. And now there are reports all over the place that he's not getting along with his players or the players don't like the college style. How long is it until Beeline returns to college basketball? And when he does return, can he pretty much have any job in the country? You know, the the big thing about that was a lot of his assistants were starting to get worried that he was going to hang it up at some point. Oh, so I see. does yeah. he want to Yeah, would be my bigger question. Does he want to go back to college or, you know, he's in his mid to late sixties or does he just retire? I, I was with you. You know, I, I understand what Cleveland was doing there. They were bringing in a hell of a basketball coach um, to, to try to coach a young team. They have a hundred plus million dollars in, in, in expiring contracts this year. So the whole team's going to flip over next year. And the plan was, all right, we're going to get really young. You know, we got Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. But they got some veterans, and that's kind of the problem with this team right now is, you know, they got veterans, Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, that are used to winning, used to doing a certain way. And now you got Beeline coming in, excuse me, with his college way. And, and part of it that wasn't even written that I've heard about, these long practices. Oh. In the pros, they don't practice much. No. If so many games, in, and when they do practice, it's, you know, an hour, hour and a quarter maybe, and beeline's going longer, and these guys don't really like that. Mm. And they don't like the, um, again, just the terminology, everything that was kind of written in that story. So beeline's not a guy who's going to connect with, with play. That's not him. He's a hell of a coach, but he's not going to be a, a rah-rah a guy who's going to sit there and and talk about life necessarily with a lot of these players. He's 60, whatever he is, six, seven. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it lasts long. Um, it, it really is going to depend on, on Cavs owner Dan Gilbert because he doesn't have a lot of patience. So how long will, will he last with Beeline? Could be a year. Maybe it's two um, because, again, I think a lot of the players that are on the team this year aren't going to be on the team next year. And, of course, Michigan's not looking back, at least for now. Jawan Howard is off to such a great start as the head coach of the Wolverines. And the other thing when you were saying Beeline coming back to college is uh, if he comes back the same year Billy Donovan does, he probably sits behind (laughs) Billy Donovan again because Billy's younger. Right. Um, I I still think, you know, Billy's won two national titles. Uh, Beeline's a hell of a coach again, but um, Michigan was a perfect place for him. You know, with kids – once guys start making millions and make more than the coach, it worked in Boston, right, with Brad Stevens, partially because Brad had success. So these players are looking at him in the NBA and saying, all right, you know what? Maybe this guy does know what he's doing. 
Where with Beeline right now in Cleveland, a lot of these players are saying, it's not our fault. It's John Beeline. He can't coach in the NBA. But if he has success, and, and you can't fault him because they don't have the talent to have success in Cleveland. Jeff Goodman, terrific as always. College basketball voice, face. You can see him on Stadium Sports. You can read him on Twitter and follow him along. He's got the Good and Plenty podcast. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for being back with us. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Always, my man, always. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll talk to you before the holidays. And uh, have a great week. So it looks like for now, Louisville has a stranglehold on the number one overall ranking in college basketball. But this is absolutely a fluid situation and story. The voice of Jeff Goodman, all those years at ESPN, now at Stadium Sports, one of the great college basketball voices, and he's going to be with us all year long, all college basketball season, right here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks to John's team at Fireside Home Solutions like Neuheisel and Lock and Fora and Brady Henderson. So if you're considering a brand-new fireplace this winter and you enjoy Mitch Unfiltered programming and interviews – why in the world would your first call not be to Fireside Home Solutions? Not to mention that, simply put, no one provides the kind of in-home services of fireplaces and barbecues and garage doors than Fireside Home Solutions. Here's what I suggest. Take these guys up on their offer to come to your home free of charge. They'll look at your space. They'll look at your old unit. They'll work with you on a solution that satisfies both your craving and your budget. And then... Visit one of their six fabulous showrooms from Seattle all the way down to Portland. Old fireplaces waste a ton of energy, and Fireside Home Solutions really simplifies the process. Start with a trip to their website at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. All right, the other stuff segment, we can begin with the names of bowl games. Okay, it's gotten out of hand. You thought it got out of hand like 15 or 20 years yeah, ago? I thought it's been out of hand. What oh, happened? No, no, no. Now it's ridiculous. Okay, all right. It's just, it's, it's almost as if somebody is playing a joke. It finally got, put you over the well, edge? It's I, been I bad for Well, I think what happened was years and years ago, corporate sponsors came in and they bought the, the title of these bowl games, but the bowl games continued to have their normal title. So let's say Tostitos. It was the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. I remember that, yeah. And so a lot of these companies came in and they put their name with the bowl game's name. Now they're just doing away with the bowl game's name. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> the Quick Lane Bowl. Oh, God. The Carmelia Bowl. Carmelia? I don't even know. Is that a flower? I don't know. That's a candy bar. Candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> the Cure Bowl. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Bowl. Oh. They don't even have their, like, the Fiesta name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them don't even have their old name in there. Why can't they be both their name and the company name? The Red Box Bowl. What's the Red? What's Red Box? Is that like a video game? Is that where you go? Not video game. Is that where you go rent movies, like, at the store? That's There's right. Like a, that, that red machine that you see? Yeah, yeah you Can rent DVDs. Can still do that? It does seem a little weird why, why? in 2019. <laughs> To go rent Blu-rays or DVDs, but yeah, I guess they People do. People still do that. Well, it's like a dollar. It's a pretty good deal. And by the way, why next, can't you just sit home and like order it on your on your, on one of your streaming services? As much as well, yeah, you could order it, but it's cheaper at Redbox. And by the way, I, I love Netflix, but they don't have every title up for streaming. And the Redbox little thing yeah. at QFC does. It, they do. They, no, they don't. They get new ones. They they get all the new ones. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I feel don't. like I'm doing an ad for them right now, and I'm not trying <laughs> no, to. They don't. If you, if you want to watch something tonight and Netflix doesn't okay. have it, go to Redbox. I'm telling you, they will have it. 
You're so, yeah. talking about the little kind of vending machine yes. that's outside it's of legit a, a little red vending machine. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So what, what do you do with it once you get it? Do you have to go put it back? You do. He goes, <laughs> and like sucks it back in. Yeah, you got to bring it back. To the machine? <laughs> to the machine. Okay, that's pathetic. It's awesome. Nobody does it. I think they must. They are. Uh, they, they have their own bowl now. I don't even so. know that I have a Blu-ray machine anymore. I don't even know that I have a CD play, a DVD player anymore. Well, if you had if an I Xbox, do, I don't know. Oh, I do have an Xbox. Xbox One can can, yeah. can do Blu-rays. So there you go. The Belk Bowl. There's literally you ready for this one. Yeah. Tony the Tiger Bowl. What the Frosted Flakes guy? Yeah, Sun Bowl. But they they kept the Sun Bowl. At least they kept the. It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The Lending Tree Bowl. That's uh, that's what my annoyance is. Is yeah. okay. I'm okay with co- corporate sponsors coming in and buying a portion of the title. But let's keep our old. Let's make it the Lending Tree Astro Blue Bonnet or whatever it was. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, like that one. Uh, can we just keep the actual bowl game? In there? Can we yeah. keep the actual title, the historic title of the bowl game? That's all I'm asking. Did the Rose Bowl, did they get a sponsor Rose Bowl? Or is it just still Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl? Do they have like a, I That's can't. Good question, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think it's the Rose Bowl presented by somebody. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you watch that cockamamie Dr. Pepper free tuition nonsense at halftime? Did you watch it this weekend? Where they actually throw like a ball through well, a thing or something and be, they win money? Yes, but it would be nice if they actually threw it like a football. They're always underhanded. No, they, no. They pitch it, no? It's, there's a whole new... It's like it's this? a two-handed chess pass with every football. Okay, that's stupid. Thank you. I think so, too. Like, okay, it's it's a football contest. Yeah. Back them up a little bit then so yeah. they actually have to throw a spiral. Yeah. These guys are, like, doing <laughs> chess passes like little footballs. Like, what yeah. are we even doing, everybody? Yeah. And a, you, But you watch it, right? I watch it every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it drives me crazy. It must drive Dr. Pepper crazy, too. Uh, was that yours? Well, yeah, that was mine. I don't know. You, you, you're free to go, but I got... Well, I got my athlete of the week. I got the uh, I got the fact that the Saints fans don't know about uh, pass interference. I don't know if you want to talk about that. I, I saw where the why is it? Okay, here's mine. Why is it that I'm less than outraged when there are two horrific officiating mistakes made against the New England Patriots? <laughs> You know what's funny about that is that I was outraged about them blowing the whistle and, and kind of screwing the Patriots out of a touchdown, and I tweeted about it. Nothing. Radio silence. Nobody was with me. Nobody Cause, cared. Because they feel like I did. <laughs> nobody, nobody feels bad for the I, Patriots. I am outraged about officiating in the NFL every single week, yeah. and yet this week the Patriots who lost the game to the Chiefs got screwed twice by two horrific calls and I'm like, I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone else apparently is too. No one said anything. The, the refs can't control themselves. Stop blowing your whistle. Stop it. Let the play go. Yeah, that would have been a touchdown. Of it course, would have been a defensive touchdown. Yeah, it yeah. drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah. Did you happen to see um, uh, Marcus Peters? Who I don't know if, if if people like him or not. I'm I'm sort of starting to come around on Marcus Peters. You are. This. Well, oh, I don't like Marcus Peters. I know at all. he followed. He got thrown off the Washington team. He followed Jalen Ramsey up into the. We talked about that into the locker room and said, "We just knocked your ass yeah. out of the playoffs." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He jumps in the crowd at the game and grabs a. I, first oh, of all, yeah, he chugs a beer. I didn't know they sold cans of beer in stadiums. <laughs> by the way, what the hell is this? Takes a beer and he like shotgun right in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. I think yeah. I'm coming around on him. I actually was thinking about Marcus Peters when I saw Chris Peterson make his first public remarks about his resignation, and he said. I loved all the players. I thank all the players. I was like, Marcus Peters too? 
Most of the players. Uh, I was saying to myself, uh, I don't think. Uh, I was waiting for Marcus Peters to go off. I haven't checked. He may have on uh, Collinsworth during the Seahawks game. Collinsworth wouldn't stop talking about how much better the secondary is now. Did you notice that? No. He said it like four or five. Oh, now with this new and improved secondary, it's so great. I was waiting for Marcus it's Peters. It's going to happen this week. It'll, probably, I, it'll I, probably happen I bet tomorrow. it does. Did you see that the Kansas City Chiefs who beat the New England Patriots almost had to forfeit the game? No. Do you know about that? What was the last time a team had to forfeit an NFL game? Before the game started. The N- Kansas City Chiefs arrived to Foxborough, Massachusetts for Sunday's showdown against the Patriots. There was just one problem. The gear for around 35 players went to New Jersey instead of New England. Wow. And no, the Patriots were not involved in the conspiracy. <laughs> According to a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter, equipment containers with the Chiefs' shoulder pads and helmets weren't unloaded from the team's charter plane when it arrived in New England and then went on to New Jersey with the plane, which had the Chiefs scurrying to get the equipment back to New England in time for the kickoff. Had the Chiefs not realized the equipment mishap had happened before kickoff, league rules state clearly they would have been required to forfeit the game. Could you imagine the whole world turns on CBS, Jim Nance, right. and they announce, now oh, there's no game. It's Heidi. We're running that again. <laughs> Some cockamamie <laughs> movie. <laughs> the Patriots win. That's amazing. Imagine so, had the Patriots, of all the teams right, to prosper right. from a forfeit, if it would have been the Patriots because the Chiefs had to forfeit because their helmets and shoulder pads didn't arrive at the game. Could you just imagine? Not a person. You think you have seen all? <laughs> right. Not a person on the planet would have thought that the, the Patriots weren't behind that. Nobody. Nobody, nobody would have thought that. That's right. Did you happen to see uh, Bill's DB? Just made me laugh for some reason. Tredavious White. He was, oh, he's very good. I know that. I don't know what he did. So the play sheets for the Ravens, like that they call their plays on, it was like five pieces of paper stapled together. It flew out on the field, and he runs over and grabs it, and he starts like reading through it, and the refs come running over and like confiscate it from yeah. him. They were like pissed <laughs> off, but it made me laugh that he's like pretending to read through it really quick. <laughs> I don't know why that totally made me laugh. Like, what are you going to get out of the Ravens play calls? But it was so funny. But I didn't know that the, the refs, they were not playing around. They ran right over. No, you can't have that. Like, jerked it away from him. It's pretty funny. Baltimore went to Buffalo and won. Baltimore now, by the way, I know this is for Mr. Postseason on Thursday. Baltimore is now a game ahead of the Patriots for the number one seed. And they own the tiebreaker. So with three weeks to go... It's going to take an absolute miracle for the Ravens not to have home field advantage all the way through the AFC playoffs. So my question is, if you had to bet on one team right now from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl, would it be Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Yes, it would. And I would probably take them over the 49ers in the Super Bowl because that's who it's going to be from the NFC. It feels like a collision course. It feels like it's going to happen. 49ers and Ravens. Those two teams play in the Super Bowl? They, the, Colin Kaepernick. The Harbob, Harbob. Colin Kaepernick. Bowl. Yeah, Kaepernick. And the lights went out. Remember that weirdness? Are you sitting here picking the yes. 49ers to go to the Super Bowl? It's chalk at this point, right? They, they look like no. the best team in the NFC. Don't they? Then you're really, are you picking the Niners to beat the Seahawks in Seattle? On the last, I guess you, you kind of are, aren't you? Not are necessarily. You picking, well, all right, well, explain to me how that's going to work. Well, they can still get the five seed and still win, I think, on the road. Oh, so the Seahawks beat the 49ers for a second time on December 29th. Mm-hmm. They get the two seed. Yep. San Francisco gets the five seed. They win. <laughs> Seattle waits. They end up playing Seattle in the NFC Championship game for the third time. Yep. And the 49ers come here Finally in the NFC them. Championship game and get revenge for the tip for the, That's uh, right. for the Richard Sherman tip drill. That's right. I mean, it looks like the Niners are going. The Niners and the Ravens are going to be in the Super Bowl. I think you're overreacting. 
it's a, to what just happened. It's less about be, the Seahawks and more about the 49ers. Like the 49ers. They look good to me. Okay, uh-huh. well, if they could have, if, if Robbie Gould misses that field goal, they give up 45 points and they give up 46 and lose. How would you be feeling right now on this podcast yeah. if they had lost 46 to 45 instead of winning 48 to 46? Yeah, but I asked you about them getting all those goal. points up, and you said, well, eh, it just kind of happens sometimes. Doesn't mean their defense is bad. No, their defense is not bad. Okay. Their defense is not bad. They're a very good football team. Yeah. And they may be the best team. I don't know. I would not bet on anybody coming here in the NFC Championship game and beating the Seahawks at CenturyLink Field. What about Teddy now, maybe, Bridgewater? Now, maybe if you want to, if you wanted to tell. <laughs> No, not in the NFC Championship. <laughs> okay, gotcha. If you want to tell me, if you want to tell me that you think the Seahawks will either lose to Carolina or Arizona and then lose the division, or lose the game to the 49ers on December the 29th and lose the division, and the Seahawks end up the five seed and the 49ers go to the Super Bowl in that in that fashion, I I don't I don't have much of a problem with that. I've got a problem with you telling me. That they're going to be the five seed, and they're going to come here for the NFC. Ch- I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe a blind faith. I just think yeah. that when the chips are on the line, and it's it's one of those games, like a Titanic game. Yeah, Seahawks will get it done. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. They just look really good to me. And then the other thing is, we'll start hearing about how it's almost impossible to beat a team three times in one season because the Seahawks will have already beaten them twice. Impossible. Yep. I got a question for you about something that happened in your old radio days. I don't know if you know this story. You can say, I don't know what you're talking about. And we can move on. But I was reminded of something. I saw Eldridge Rickazner calling. I'd like you. to move on. Is that right? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, God, he has a thing with him. He was calling a game. I don't remember what it was for, Eldridge. Yeah. Was there a story that he barged in to KJR and threatened to punch Jason Puckett? Do you know this story? No. You, don't, you, you haven't heard that? It's vaguely familiar, but the problem is I think that there were a few people. (laughs) He's on a long line of people. I I, I remember Chad Eaton nearly breaking Softy's arm. Did that happen once? Oh, I remember that too. I think I was in the building for that, yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know. Former Coog, right? And then there's me. I just, I guess, no. Everybody knows not to mess with me because I'll just kick your ass. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so tough. Yeah. Um, so you don't know much. You don't remember that story because I've never really heard it. And I thought it maybe. Eldridge? Yeah, it's vaguely. I think you might have said something about Eldridge on the air, and then Eldridge had a key card, I think, because he was doing stuff, and he just marched. Why in are you bringing that up? I, I told you, I just saw Eldridge, and I was. Uh, He's great. I love Eldridge. He, he, he was my good. man. He was calling a game. I, I don't remember who it was for, but he, he was, was on the Pac-12 Network. He is that what game. I was watching? Was a lot of Washington Husky games on the Pac-12 Network. And he yeah. was good. He's great. You know, he's a he's a New Orleans guy. He's also a guy you don't want to mess with. Well, he's got a he's got a temper. He's got a trigger temper. Judging from what I heard about the story, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to mess. Maybe we should stop talking about him now. Actually, now that I think about it. Oh, I love, I love, I love. There's a, there's a few classic stories. He actually told me a story about getting in trouble at the airport, the SeaTac Airport. For what? Oh, for going after a guy. I think he went after a guy. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I got one more, but I don't know if you if you're ready for this. Oh boy, really? It's, it's, Am I going to end with the athlete of the week? I'll end yeah, yeah, with yeah. the athlete of the week. So this is your last one. You're going to want the the athlete of the week will will be like the ginger in between the sushi to clean to clean the palate. Yeah, I'm he, not a sushi guy, but go ahead. <laughs> what, right. are you, what are you hitting me with? So there's is it something I'm going to have to edit out. Well, the good news is you can if you want to. Okay. So if you hear me talking now and then it goes right to the athlete of the week, yeah. you'll is know. Is this you. you and Tanya Harding again? it's not quite that gross okay all right so there's a new thing that there's a new health fad going on out there all right this woman sent on instagram she says for the past few weeks i've included sunning my bum into my daily routine 
So here, I'm going to flip this around. You can see the picture. That's a new thing. Getting sun, not on the cheeks, but where the, you know. Where the sun don't shine, as Archie well, Bunker used to say. Well, it, it didn't used to, but apparently people are doing this now. It says she claims that 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole is the equivalent of a full Why day of we sunlight. What, now, what with made the, you want to bring this up on the show? This, is, this has been all over Twitter, and people are like, <laughs> I need to know if this is real or not. Uh, I'm prepared know, to try it. You don't it. know about the Peloton controversy, but you <laughs> right. know about this? Right. Now, you might want to take this with a grain of salt, but she claims that 30 what, seconds the sunshine of sunshine and a grain of salt? <laughs> yeah, right. 30 seconds of sunlight there is equivalent of a full day of sunlight with your clothes on, so it can help you get more energy, more revitalized. So the question is, <laughs> if you're in Maui or oh vacationing, would you give it a oh shot to see God. if it works? What if it can give you like, re- what if it's the Where secret? Where do I go to do this? Well, they have nude beaches in Hawaii or somewhere, you know? You can, you no, can make it happen. No, the answer is no, 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 You think no, it's no. all nonsense? Of course it, you're asking me if sunning your butthole <laughs> is, is nonsense? Maybe it's Getting something. energy from sunning your butthole is nonsense? Maybe it's something we don't know about. Oh Maybe it's a God. new cure for... People the, right now are saying, okay, Hotshot, you've taken episode 69. Oh, it had to be on episode 69. Yeah, right? it's perfect, right? There you go. <laughs> Maybe it... By the Can way, I, yeah, you, ever, you ever been to a nude beach? Have you ever like stumbled? Yes. What'd you think? Because I have thoughts on it. I have thoughts on it. I went to one in Hawaii. Okay. I, I, have, a, I have a story, but okay. <laughs> oh, really? I, I should share it. Yeah. Why can't you share it? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a family story. M- my family, before I was married or anything else, we went to France one year. The, okay. whole, the, the Levy family. Gotcha. The three boys and the, the mom and dad. Okay, they're, they're much more liberal over there with the clothes off on the beaches. Well, we went to the south of France. Okay. Yeah. So we went to naked beaches. We went to a naked beach. <laughs> How old are you? At that point, probably 16, 17. Oh, perfect. Perfect age for that, right? You're loving it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, I think, but I think nude beaches in the south of France are different than the United States nude, like the nude beach in Oregon or something. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I got a feeling that it's a different, it's a different clientele at the, I get yeah. the feeling that it's a more mainstream thing. Correct. In the south of France than it is like in Oregon. I, I don't know why I'm bringing Oregon up. And so I went to one it, in it's, Hawaii. It's more, it's more niche in the United States yes. and more mainstream. So everybody who would just go to a beach would go in the south of. You get the you get the yes. feeling. So it was a pretty, it was pretty exciting. To gotcha. Pretty exciting. And we all put our towels down. The Levies came. And yeah, yeah. we were like the people from vacation. And <laughs> we, the Levies, the Americans came. And we're putting our towels down. My mother's putting her towels down. She's laying down. And we look up. And there my oldest brother, Jay, is stark naked <laughs> with a camera around his neck. Is that neck. right? Yes. <laughs> He's loving it. He's just loving it, huh? Stark oh. naked, standing above my mother oh. with, with, with a camera around his neck. Was it to get a laugh or was he just trying to, like, win in Rome? He like, just said, I, 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 he, he said to us, <laughs> Jay. I'll see you in a bit. I'm going to take a walk. And he was just, we look up. And Amazing. He's, he's literally starting it with a camera and he's, he turns around, he starts walking down the beach. That is hilarious. I don't have it. I could never do it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have it in me to do that. I just don't. But I was on my honeymoon and, and people kept telling me, if you go to, I guess it's called Little Beach. Anyway, you could walk to it from the, from the, the main beach we were at. So I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I'll be back. I, I have to go check this out. But I didn't want to be a creeper because I wasn't participating. Yeah. So it felt kind of weird. But to your clientele point, it was like eight people in their 60s. It wasn't like, you know. It wasn't anything amazing, but I had to go check go it out. Go to the south of France. Yeah, it's probably a little bit different. Go to like different. Nice or Cannes 
or like Saint-Tropez. I don't know where these places are, but you, you go to these places and it's a little bit of a different scene. Can we end, the, can we end episode 69, the dismal episode 69, the Rams and the Seahawks and the Gonzaga and Washington game I, I, with Athlete of the Week? Let's do it. I asked you before, way, way back at the beginning of the show, whether the Athlete of the Week, what's the rules on my Athlete of the Week restrictions? Can I call a coach the athlete, the Mitch Unfiltered Athlete of the Week. Yeah, and I told you that on the top 100 of the NFL, they have coaches. Yeah. So I, I, think it, I think it works. There's a college basketball game called the Crosstown Shootout. Have you ever heard of it? No. Every year, the Crosstown Shootout matches Xavier and Cincinnati. Okay. They're two and a half miles. The campuses are two and a half miles apart. Okay. Two and a half miles. And Xavier and Cincinnati play a basketball game that is just nuts in Cincinnati in terms of its prestige, in terms of its excitement, it's an emotional, emotional, emotional game. Huge, huge, out-of-conference, early-season game every year. It's called the Crosstown Shootout. Okay. Well, Xavier won so that Cincinnati didn't win a second time in a row last year and this year. Xavier won, and the Xavier second-year head coach, I don't even have his name. I should have his name if he's Athlete of the Week. <laughs> As soon as they win, he either tweets out or he tells everybody on the loudspeaker, drinks on me. He proceeds to leave the arena with his blonde-haired wife and his, like, seven-year-old son, and he puts $1,000 cash in his seven-year-old son's hand. There's actually a video of it. And they go right into the the main Xavier kind of campus lounge. I don't know why seven-year-olds are allowed in the (laughs) bar. I don't know why either. They walk right up, and they say, the first thousand dollars is on us. The place just goes wow, crazy. Wow, that is amazing. And there's video of it. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. So he put a thousand on the bar tab. Not he. The kid. The kid had. Oh, a, the, the, the kid, kid had a thousand dollars in his hands. They walked right in. The so blonde-haired great. wife, the coach, the seven-year-old kid walked right into the bar. People are high-fiving <laughs> him right in the bar. He lifts the kid up. The kid throws a thousand dollars and he yells to the crowd. First thousand dollars are on me. <laughs> That's so great. There's nothing Athlete better of the of the week. When you're a college student, there's nothing better than free drinks. Uh, but how about free drinks from the coach of the yeah, college yeah, basketball I mean, right. team? Right. That's amazing. That's awesome, right? That's a cool story. There you go. He should be the athlete of the week. Athlete of the week. Did we name did we name the episode? Did Floyd we? Wedderburn. <laughs> or Tim Crumry. You said we can't do Tim Crumry. But the guy broke his leg. He should get something out of his life. All right, episode Tim Crumry. You take us out. Episode Tim Crumry is in the books.